Nervous Habits. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Nervous Habits. Gotta say right off the bat that my heart just skipped about 2,000 beats. Uh, I recorded this episode <laughs> with my law school classmates that you'll hear. Uh, you'll hear from them in a couple minutes. And the file totally disappeared from my computer. So I like clicked it open and said file could not be found. And my life flashed before my eyes. <laughs> there's nothing worse than uh, if you've never had a podcast, there's nothing worse than like recording 90 minutes of, of stuff with your friends and then having it be lost forever. Uh, so that did not happen. Um, and crisis averted. But uh, <laughs> on another note, because um, I'm just a ball of positivity today, I really need a new computer because my e-key on my MacBook is now completely detached. Uh, my space bar and command key are just stuck all the time. So when I type... Um, it's almost like everything's one word with no spaces. And my other letters, my O, is being literally being held down by scotch tape. So my life is just falling apart. And this is what three years of law school will do to a, uh, <laughs> to a laptop computer. But anyway, uh, recording this in April, mid-April. So I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, I have about four weeks until I graduate from law school. And then right around that time, I will be beginning bar prep and I will be turning 30 all within the next month. Actually, wait a second. Well, that's my month for me recording. When this episode drops in early May, um, it'll be like a week or two before law school bar prep, graduate from law school bar prep and turning 30. Uh, two months until two months until I move out of DC. I was originally planning on staying in DC. Allergies. Uh, originally planning on staying in DC for the whole summer and then moving back to New York after I finished my bar prep and took the bar. But lucky for me, my building decided to uh, boost my rent by 70%. So I'll be leaving DC early. Um, what can you do? And heading back to New York probably in June, TBD, um, and then taking the bar exam end of July. So the countdown is on. Other updates. I was in Boston a couple weeks ago, actually last month in March, and I got really sick and I had to miss my law prom. So I had extreme FOMO around that time. But I got to spend quality time with my best friends who you heard from last week on the pod, on the bonus episode. Hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, and you know, I wanted to do an episode that was kind of like a law school wrap up. I, I feel like I don't talk a lot about law school on the podcast um, because, you know, it, it's it's the podcast is my passion project. Law school is like my day job. I try to keep them separate. And to be honest, like a lot of law school is pretty boring. Uh, it's it's not you know if you want to listen to a, a law podcast, I think, you know, uh, I they're probably a couple dozen. What is Penny doing? This dog. I mean, ha the other day, my, my friends came over, and, and one by one, she started picking up each of their sneakers and jumping on the bed with them like they were a, a, a raw high bone or something. So uh, where was I? So I want to do a law school wrap-up. Um, back in March of 2020, we did uh, an episode with a couple of my friends from law school recapping our first year and kind of the transition to the law school environment. This was right, I think, when the pandemic kicked off. And... Um, I mean, so much has happened since then in the last two years, but I wanted to kind of do something very similar, recapping just my entire law school experience with two with two different friends. Um, I promise I'm going to drink coffee <laughs> before I record. 
the debrief because I don't want to put you guys to sleep with this episode, but with two different friends. So uh, you'll be hearing from my good buddies, Ezra Lewis and Austin Lowe in this episode. And Ezra and Austin are two friends that I made the very first day of law school. You know, it's funny how, and, and we kind of talk about this in the episode, the people that you meet during the first day of orientation end up being your kind of your your people throughout the entire law school experience. So I've, I'm pretty lucky that I uh, that I ended up with them. I tried my best to get them to loosen up, pump them full of <laughs> full of booze, but uh, hey, us lawyers, you know, anything you you say can and will be used against you. So they were both in different ways. Um, a little tight-lipped about their law school experience, but you know there are still. I, I, I think I think the episode. I hope that the episode will be entertaining. I hope that you'll you'll learn a little something about our law school experience, and you do kind of get a glimmer of uh, kind of our varied experiences in law school, uh, both socially, um, you know, extracurricularly, if that's a word, academically. Uh, there are there are colors to it. You know what I mean. Uh, but I hope you enjoy it. I am going to have, uh, some more thoughts to share after the episode, after which point I will have coffee. So I won't be yawning anymore, but without further ado, here is my conversation with my law school classmates from the class of 2022, uh, Austin Lowe and Ezra Lewis. Enjoy. I'm joined here by Ezra Lewis and James Austin Lowe. Boys, welcome to Nervous Habits. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks for having us. So Austin's been on the show. Uh, once before, Ezra, this is a, a long time first coming. Time, first time, first time. I think I think you I think you you've asked uh, every every Wednesday Constantly. for the last two and a half years. Constantly. I get a note, uh, you know, please you know please come resume. I got a weird video in my email uh, with some. What is it? What's the story behind this? Is it? Is this you? You want me to pause this? All right. What's what's the backstory behind this? This is college policy debate, also known as the best, most research intensive, most awesome kind of debate there is, where you talk really fast. Yeah. So this is this is essentially your 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 podcast resume right here. We have we're sitting we're sitting around the the table to reflect on law school. Penny's trying to get in on the conversation. Unfortunately, Penny wasn't even here. She didn't go to law school. Well, she was. She could have gone to law school, but she she didn't go. She entered at the halfway point when I was uh, in the middle of two L. So she really can only speak to what life was like after that point. She can't speak. Do you think she could do better than a one L in a class? Uh, I think if Penny. It submitted uh, a contracts exam to, to the contracts professor we had. I feel like she'd, she'd just be right in the middle of the curve. I feel like I she, agree. She, I she, she, she could, it's just, he would see that. He'd be like, you know, this is the arbitrary note, like the, the what's this thing, the subjectivity of the rule of law. Oh, he would, yeah, she was just pass her. You know, uh, putting her you'd have, you have to, Yeah, yeah, you'd have to give her like, you have to, you know, she could like put her paw on something and be like, scienter, rescission. You exactly. Know? <laughs> you could do spell check at the end. The it ten would of probably the not be that different from like a, you know, so Austin, you were, you did an episode with, with our friend Jeff, right back in, uh, what was this 2020 in yeah, the, during the, the, the pandemic? The early days of COVID. I remember we, so just, j- just for the listener, uh, longtime listeners of the pods will remember that we did an episode or I did an episode back with two of our friends during one L Caitlin and Dana. And we basically talked about what, you know, what our first experience was like the first year of law school. So now I kind of want to close the loop. We've we've had basically three years of law school. When this episode drops, we'll be right around graduation. So when I did this episode with Caitlin and, and Dana, I talked about how like I and this was after our first year. I just didn't feel like like and I hear both of you guys saying I didn't feel like I 
I've learned a lot in law school. Call call me a contrarian. Um, call me you know non-conformist or whatever. But like I just think about like how much I knew and 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 now like you know for example a lot of the class time we spend is students expressing their opinions or their positions on on issues, which is awesome. But then it's like we don't actually learn a lot of black letter law, especially after the first year of law school. So I just I don't know. I I almost expected that law school would make me like a more like well-rounded advocate. Like at this point, I, I feel more or less the same as, as I as I did like a couple years ago. Well, I don't think it necessarily trains you in sort of advocacy, formal advocacy or, um, you know, public speaking necessarily unless you really pursue those kinds of opportunities, which I mean, I think you did to some extent, but uh, but I don't think it fundamentally changes your character. I think it's it's largely a professional degree, right? And it's it's almost not to be cynical about it, but in one, in some ways it's a gatekeeping mechanism, right? So it's, everyone has to jump through the same hoops in order to eventually be able to practice. And then hopefully once you start actually practicing, you'll be able to distinguish yourself in those ways, the talents you already had, et cetera. Sorry, Penny. Yeah. Yeah. As we're, I, I, as we're talking about this, Penny, <laughs> we, we gave Penny a bunch of uh, tea, a dog friendly THC treats to, to chill her out before this. And she's, she, apparently they haven't worked. well, she's coming, she's coming each of us kind of, uh, you know, uh, trying to get get our attention i mean i mean but you understand what i'm saying as to your to your point about not learning anything i think that that kind of goes to like what law school pedagogy is you go in and the schools and they they tell you fairly explicitly we're not here for you to memorize every single legal rule and every single major principle we're here to teach you how to find the answer to a question Mm. with the degree of certainty necessary to please your client whoever that is and so in that sense, it's it's very different from what people usually do in like medical school, for example, mm-hmm. where you really do internalize all of the information and you have to have it readily available when you're practicing. That's not the case for lawyers. They yeah. get to take their time and figure out an answer. And so I think to an extent, you're sort of just describing what law school is designed for. The problem, I guess, is that that might just not be fulfilling because you don't feel like you've you've really got that much at your disposal. Well, I think also, Ricky, maybe you're thinking of, you know, standard lawyering in terms of what you see in media and, and TV, et cetera, uh, and sort of advocacy on, on, on the courtroom level and things like that. But I think a lot of lawyering is actually just research and writing on the back end. And you do do a lot of that in law school. And that's ultimately what you'll be doing, in, whether you're in the public sector, in the private practice right. environment. And um, I think in that sense, it, it is helpful to just learn how to do basic legal research for to use Westlaw, right? And also to be able to navigate it and then tell the client, to Ezra's point, okay, yes, this is the law's uncertain on this, but like I'm confident in giving you my assessment of the, uh, of this, and this is your litigation risk going into it, et cetera. You no, know, I, I hear that. I guess to kind of clarify, and and you know, for people that actually listened to the one, the episode I did two years ago with with uh, with two of my friends on the beginning of law school, what I'm trying to say is. I, I, you know, the gap between college level courses and law school courses, I was led to believe would be kind of this, this enormous discrepancy between the difficulty level of the literature, the lectures, um, you know, like a different ballgame entirely. But I just feel like, you know, and also I worked at at a firm and and I know know both of you have, have had experience doing that as well, where everyone was like, oh, you know, you're not ready for law school. Like it's a different, you know. Uh, every, the the readings the 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 I I guess I just expected it to be you know the gap between college and, and high school and law school to be bigger I I feel like this has been more of the same with the exception of maybe a couple courses during one L you I know think, what I mean so th- this is interesting because I've had so in the day to day classroom environment I totally agree and for me 
I haven't had anything as hard as high school, mm. frankly, from that perspective. And you did so like AP exams, you, right? Not, not not about exams, but no, just, just like every day, school, every right? day in the class. Like, are you dealing with like a really high level environment where there are a lot of people with really innovative ideas? I got that in high school. I got it a bit in college. I don't get it that that much in, right. in law school. And a lot of that, you know, my courses, I think a lot of them are very professor driven, which is fine. The difference I've noticed, though, is with exams. Mm. I think there's a huge gap between the classroom environment and the type of technical skill the professor expects you to display on an exam. And I think that is something that's not clear to people up front. Mm. You kind of get lulled into a sense of like, oh, I'm following along with the material in class. You get to the exam, and then it's like, bam. Right. You also, really have to have mastery over this, and if you don't, you're you're kind of screwed. I also, frankly, I disagree on the sort of the, the notion that mastery of 1L exams is something that's like, I don't know, worth sort of considering a master. Like, it, it to me, it was much more of a, a test of how much you could put words on paper in yeah. the shortest amount of time. And that, to me, and having now had various experiences interning, et cetera, that's not what being an actual lawyer is like. You actually have to consume a lot of material, but distill it into something intelligible and provide it to a client and be able to communicate that both in a written context and also verbally, right? But I, I think on the exams in 1L, it's sort of catered to the masses to some extent, just make it as easy for the professor to grade as possible. And it's almost like, okay, the person that throws the most, you know, doctrines on paper ends up doing better. And that, I mean, that, that doesn't happen in every context. It's just, it's, that's to me, that's sort of what I was a little bit disappointed about in the 1L instruction, I guess. And we, and we talked about this in the past, but like for people who, who, Having been to law school, who don't know how the grading works. A hundred percent of your law school grade is contingent on, on one exam. For most courses, most courses. for most right, for, especially for for the first year first, curriculum, yeah. where basically you know the professor gives you what's called an issue spotter, like a hypothetical fact pattern, and you have to, like Austin said, identify doctrines and list cases, and it becomes uh, a competition of who could type the most words in for for courses without word limits, the most words in a two hour, three hour span of time, and it becomes like. It's no longer reflective of, of how well you can work with the issues, and I and I, sh- I I don't know like I do I do want to push back against that a little bit just because and th- that might be true one L year just for just because people don't frankly have no idea what they're doing and th- this yeah. is another thing it's like you start law school you have a whole group of people who thinks they know what's going on yeah and they they just completely do not and and no one does and then you kind of gradually figure it out. Interestingly enough, two two of the best the courses I've done the best in were the exams that were by far the shortest. So like that means by far, by far, by far. Contracts the and written. torts. No, no, no. Two uh, evidence and fed courts. Evidence. So I didn't take fed courts. I know that outline is pretty pretty valuable though. And evidence, evidence. So here's the other thing, by the way, is. How well that you you so in law school you have this thing called an outline and that's like your study guide and the book the exams are open book and you can use them use the outlines. My outlines for evidence, I'm telling you, you could publish that, put it on Amazon, probably command like fit fourteen ninety nine. It's a good outline. I knew that that you know material so well. I probably could still tell you all the hearsay exceptions by heart. I didn't do well on that. I didn't do well on the course. I think that's also partly because you know what I mean, right? You have. No, but it was a it was a two well curve, so it was. But it you was, still you have it, you know, increasingly smart, you know, given the trends of applications and well, and standards for the uh, you know admissions process. You have increasingly smart people at Georgetown, and you're you know that's just the reality, right? Your so, curve is, is built to make sure that everyone gets on average like B plus, whatever. So that's another thing to raise with you guys, and and 
to be honest, like like when I talked to Caitlin and Dana about law school after one L, I was definitely the the more cynical, uh, like negative perspective, and both of them were, were you know were like oh everything's amazing kind of thing. I feel like you guys might be somewhere in between, but like for example, I thought that law school would kind of introduce me to a, a caliber of intellect in in my peers that I'd never been exposed to before. And this is not a knock on my classmates at Georgetown, but to Ezra's point about meeting incredibly intelligent people in high school and then in college, I think that the people that I worked with at jobs in New York, to me that that's still like among the smartest people I've inter- interacted with. Not a knock on my classmates at Georgetown, but like do you know what I'm saying? I think it's also just the learning environment, right? You're you have people ranging in age from 22 to, you know, 40 and 50 in some cases with a wide variety of experiences. Some people in much more of a coming out of undergrad mindset and wanting to learn everything by the book. Some people sort of thinking they, they don't have to approach life and will just wing it. So I think that it's more of a factor of that rather than people not being, you know, as impressive or smart, right? I think I think it was just the nature like of being force-fed and a bunch of information all at once and people react differently to that. And that plays out strangely in a big class environment. And we've never had that experience before, right? Every, ever since, uh, or basically from five to 22, we were among peers our own age, all the same experiences. That's true, actually. And it was just, it's a different game in that sense. Yeah, I also, I also think that intelligence is perceived yep. differently. We've talked about this. And so, you know, when, when you're in high school, and to Austin's point, it's like when you've just grown up with the same people or similar people, and it's like you're all in class doing the same thing every day. I think people are just more comfortable expressing themselves um, and people are more used to listening to each other. In law school, the environment is a lot more kind of sensitized. And so if someone says something in an attempt to sound intelligent, mm. even if it is, people are, can look at that in kind of a competitive way and say, oh, mm. this person's trying to stand out. Gunner. You know, Gunner's the Exactly word. right. They are trying to like make themselves seem really cool and really smart. And people can almost stigmatize that mm. in, in a strange way. And so I don't think, you know, I, I it's hard to it's hard to pin down, like, when something is actually an intelligent comment. And I don't know that we always perceive them. And, and just way. to bring, not to always bring it back to COVID, I guess, but I think it became even more of a red flag if you were always participating in a Zoom class, right? Because then it's your mm. face that's popping up every other minute and then there's even more of a, a sort of stigma attached to it sometimes and, and depending on the person right but it's just yeah we know I mean, you guys hated when i did that i so. i gotta i mean you know i gotta tell you guys i i'm not i'm by the way penny's just like she's oh, sitting wow. she's well down. austin you have she's allergies down. so she's licking she's, she's wagging her tail <laughs> I, i'm gonna narrate this she's wagging her tail she's, she's licking his arm are you gonna do you have any benadryl i gave her no, so bad, much yeah. thc <laughs> I, I don't know why she's freaking out like this i wish this was video can she lay down yeah she can lay down just like maybe if you slide you just put your put your arm around her movie style yeah, I wish I had this on camera. She's, she's know, used to... Austin that. is simultaneously trying to pour wine while so Penny is just, this is, like, this is very impressive. his side. I was going to raise a, a, a point on... Oh, yeah, talking in class. Well, so I've talked to you guys about this. I just feel like when we were in high school, the people that... 
very i mean a lot of people got dogs uh, during covid during quarantine just yeah you don't need to yeah she, she's fancy she needs another tac she's just gotten very big she used she's to very be, like, chunky big girl when she was a puppy she was like she's a big girl she's very she's all about pounds. licking the faces too she, took, know, she picked I, that I'm for me that so when we were in high school do you guys know how like because we're all the same age austin's 29 which turned 30 r.i.p ezra's a baby ezra's like I'm, I'm 19 27 19 to be clear. graduated from high school at 14 so ezra so these guys are roughly the same age as me when we were in high school Talking in class was like a, a, a stigmatized thing. It was like, ah, oh, like this guy's a nerd. He's the teacher would ask a question, a very simple question. What's you know, thirteen times four? And then you no know, one wants to say fifty two. You just kind of like keep it to yourself, whatever. But like now, it's a, it becomes this like demonstration. Like I'm going to talk in class, whatever. I've never been someone that participates in class in any capacity, just because I I don't see the point of virtue signaling. And you have a podcast. <laughs> I love that. I love that. No, there is the hypocrisy there. But Austin and Ezra, in varying ways, you know, they can be gunnery in courses. Ezra, Austin, rose his hand, I think, four or five times in civil procedure during one yeah, hour. I remember you were keeping count. I was keeping yeah. count. And I think Ezra made a couple contributions in crim. I could pull it up. I could pull it up. Well, also, I, I would say I participated more in classes that interested me and that I felt, you know, more, more intellectually but rewarding. So do like, you buy that? Law, I mean, uh, I... International law, etc. Yeah, but. I I view it for an entirely self-serving reason, which is that I learn better when I try to verbalize. Stuff. What everyone I, says that that if I realize has. if I realize that I can't express something, or if I sound like an idiot when I try to say something in class, I'm like, oh, I I need to go back and I need to review this, and that's happened. You've you've taken videos of me sounding like a dumbass. Uh, on Zoom. No, 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 no. Like, you don't sound like that. I, I, I need to go back. And so, something that I like to do because, as I said, you know, in a lot of ways, I'm not, I'm not sufficiently challenged by by law school, and that's not a reflection of me. That's the, as we said, the curriculum is. Um, so, so to entertain myself, I then take videos because it's all online. I, I take videos of, of Ezra. And I do impersonations and impressions, and Austin has gotten involved in, in doing impressions just to, to pass the time. But I do think, you know, there's there's some gamesmanship going on with people making comments and and. To be clear, I do impressions of you two, and it's it's in good. Form. Oh, here we go. He's and walking it back. I'll, I'll I'll edit anything. I, yeah. Send me an errata sheet after. Let me know a list of, of things that that are potentially controversial. I'll edit them all out. But yeah, I just don't see the in a in a seminar. Sometimes sometimes in a seminar, I have a really good point. Something that like. I know will wow everyone. Then I'm going to deliver it with gusto. But more often than not, with I, gusto. I don't really see the point. You if the, say chutzpah. the chutzpah. chutzpah. If the professor, the job. professor asks, like, <laughs> can someone tell me why Rehnquist dissented in the case of U.S. Recarbon? I'm not going to raise my hand and be like, well, according to the to the statutory principles. But do you not hold on? Do you not think? And sometimes I actually appreciate the people that participate a lot for this. It serves a function just moving the class along. Yeah, there are a couple right? of if, if the professor operates... <laughs> it's okay, it's empty. Penny's just losing it. <laughs> professor op- the professor operates... So some, some professors just straight out lecture <coughs> and occasionally ask CBD questions. Not something else? <laughs> yeah, slip, slip some, some fentanyl Some professors in there. operate where they kind of like lead... It's not quite this... It's like a half... I know what you mean. Half Socratic method where they kind of like lead the class along by people providing piecemeal answers to all sorts of questions in that sense it's actually useful when someone raises their hand because otherwise you just get this annoying silence and it and it wastes time yeah i i i I hear that i just think i i think in certain contexts you're right but then when it comes to like people expressing opinions i think people will just and and it's funny i actually said this after one else so my opinion hasn't evolved people just like 
basically think through their thought process out loud in front of a hundred of their peers. You know what I actually don't like? Pet peeves. This is my, my, my truth coming out. Is when people phrase their, their contributions as a question, they'll be like, I think this, is that right? And then there'll be that, that intonation. The upward, the, upward rising yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about, Austin? I don't like that. That's like a lack of self-confidence. I'd rather you own it. I'd rather I, you I say, not, here's what I think. I'd actually, I try not to judge people based on like genuine interest in figuring things out and asking, you know, questions that are seriously about the material. I, I find more fault in people when they are using it to grandstand or, or actually grandstand. taking on people's time. And wasting class time. I don't think that's necessarily wasting class time. Maybe maybe sometimes it is, but I'm not like, you know, we're all in this together to some extent. I'm not one to say, don't use class time for that. It's more when it's when it's, you know, clearly problematic and and, and not really getting anywhere. Yeah, the people the people who think through stuff to me are are the most honest. The folks that have like this prepackaged, you know, cool like metaphor or something <laughs> that that comes off to me as being pretty fake. I, yeah, the people who are like, hey. I'm like working something out. That's useful for them. Yeah, like, you know, go for it. it, it Ezra it should be a teacher. Thing? Is it the most fun thing to listen to? No, but is that you know? That's why we're there. Ezra's come here as a uh, as a mercenary of the dean to, uh, to to incentivize all of you to apply to law school. No, look, I mean, I'll tell you, I had a lot of anxiety during one L, uh, the cold calls, and and um, I think we talked about that on, on the episode with Caitlin and Dana. But like, Mr. Rosen. Yeah, well, like, yeah. I mean, just for people that didn't aren't aware of it, like, essentially in our contracts class, the the professor would enter the room, everyone would be silent, and then he'd, he'd look, shuffle through his roster, and he'd say, is Mr. Lowe here? Is Mr. Lowe? I remember Austin got cold called on Benning, was it Benning, Henningsen? Henningsen, it was the case of uh, uh, implied merchant of warrantability, I think? No, no, it was... Uh, Henningsen? I don't remember. The Redding Pipe case, I forget. Yeah, I remember, because I, 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 I was sitting next to him, um, and was, uh, yeah. and people, and he's very well on the cold call, people on the break were like, wow, it's, you know, he, knows his, he knows his stuff. But I was going to say, um, I would get... Versus Kent. That's yeah. impressive. Wow, that is impressive. That. Mine was mine was two ships peerless. Peer- peerless. Oh, that was yeah. you. The ships. Yeah, Cl- the, class the, five. The, ship, the like second peerless ship that went at the wrong date. So we, yeah, I remember that. We're gonna have to relearn that for the bar. So I would have so much anxiety from the cold calls that I would, I, like you said, I would prepackage my answers. I'd be like, if if our professor calls on us, this is what I say when he says, "What's going on here? What?" Why was this party? Who was suing who for what? Like those questions I had because I was so anxious. And that's a whole other, you know, conversation about law school and mental illness. I want to kind of get the, the, the conversation back <laughs> back on track here. Do you guys think, and we'll start with you, Austin. We call him Austin. Uh, I can edit that out. Um, do you think law school went by faster or slower than you thought? Looking back at 20, you started August, was it August 27th was the Monday of orientation where we met? To I think, now, I think it's really hard to say whether it went by faster or slower just because these years, these past three years almost, have been such an anomaly in, in our lifetime, and, and just so much has happened. Right? It's like we were we were experiencing an important moment in American history. Aside from being in law school, we were uh, approaching. You know, at least me and you were approaching thirty. That's a, a different phase of life entirely. So that, Austin is thirty, but yeah, I turned. 30. I'm not thirty. But I'm actually. I'm going on record as saying I'm still twenty-seven, but <clears> that's another flavor to it, right? But like, I don't know. I, I would say three years in general. I would say I don't think it sh- needs to be three years. I think it yeah, probably be shortened, right? Oh, I, definitely. I'm happy that I have the opportunity to still take interesting courses and and. You know, it, it's you can do legal work. Typical lawyer didn't answer the question. So faster or yeah, slower? Yeah. So un, un, unlike both sides, low over here, I thought it. I thought it was extremely quick. 
Thank you for, for answering the question. You, so you think, looking back on the last almost three years, it, it blew by? Yes. Wow. Why? Maybe because he was in Virginia the whole time. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. You're, you're correct. Very I insular. A, I had a routine, and I think a lot of law school students have a routine, and so stuff kind of blends together, especially especially during COVID. We might yeah. get there later. But yeah, no, to me, I thought it, it went by super quickly. It felt much faster than college. I think part of that part of that is, you know, the older you get, each increment of time feels shorter. Right? You stole that but, from my podcast. You know, I, did, I did not. Did steal you? That. I'll tell no, you. No, I because there's actually there's neuro there's here. neuroscience. There's a there's there, there's a principle that says that your life goes by quicker after you reach 23 because yeah. because your your brain is fully developed. So there's I'm less. Sure you, I'm sure you. Novel stimuli. Yeah, on your podcast. I'm sure you did, but I, I yeah, 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 also, right. I independently anyway, came yeah. to this real because it was not invented. <clears throat> you know, I invented yeah, it. Right. Uh, pa- right. Patented it. No, because I, I think you're right. Like, it, like college <laughs> felt like like 18 to 22 felt like a long time yes. because there's so much Eons. growth. Eons. Even and like frankly, that's too long too. Like, I don't think you need. This is the problem. You don't think you want four years of college in America? I want eight years of college. I loved it. Social to get a decent job. Yeah, but that's not. But that's not the only goal of college. But going to college is. No, but is it is it really necessary to have four years? What were you doing senior year? Really, going out. I think what you were getting at. We don't. We don't need to get into this. But you're. That's that's an attack on the liberal arts education system. Yeah. And so you're you're pro Europe. Typical Columbia student. You're pro Europe. Like take a test when you're 16 and decide your job. No, not necessarily. Is that I think it's it's a bit of a bubble, and I don't think any of these institutions really need to have people there for as long as they are. And to it's a money maker. As much as they do, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Look, but but to Ezra's point, college for me, and even like freshman year of high school, still felt like a decade. But uh, college to me felt like it went on for a long time. I will say, I, I I you know it didn't it didn't I wouldn't say it blew by, but it definitely it feels like I just got here to DC. And I'm packing up and leaving soon. So it's well, like... I think also another element of this is that we were all, at least a lot of us, were separated for periods of time where we normally would have all been in the same place on campus for three years straight, right? Yeah. So we almost, we only came back in person uh, last fall after, you know, an entire year of being remote. And even then we had masks on campus and it was very limited in terms of what we could do on campus. So we, luckily, we had made close friendships and we stayed in touch as peers ourselves, but like, yeah, there definitely wasn't as much of a social dynamic that as there, as there would have been had the years progressed normally. Right. And now we're finally back without masks, but we're about to graduate and we have three weeks of school left and it is a bit nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I should have, I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the episode. Uh, so, so this is kind of all over the place, but we met for the listener. Uh, so Austin and I met, and I've told this story before, but, but never on the podcast. Um, during the first so orientation was, I want to say the 27th, right? Or was it the 30th of August, 2019? Um, we met that first Monday in the morning. There was orientation. We entered McDonough 104. It was on the left two. side. 102. No, no, two. Uh, and basically, uh, I sat down, I walked in with, with another classmate of ours and I heard this deep uh, tw- Monday, August 26, 2019. I heard this deep voice. Uh, talking behind me like oh, like, oh, like, yeah, I'm from New York. And I was like, wow, this guy sounds, he sounds like my kind of guy. And then we went to volunteer at the Central Union Mission uh, Housing Development and we were making beds together and you talked to me and I was like, wow, you know, he's, he's not awkward. He seems like a, a down-to-earth guy. We have a lot in common in New York and that was it. And that was friendship at first sight. And then we hung out that, that whole night. And then, no, I, it's a, a very true, yeah. and then I met, and that was the first day. And then I met 
uh, Ezra. We both met at the same at, time. Yeah. What's the, what the name of the place before Prost? Uh, it's In not the, Prost. It was called. What uh, the heck was the name of it? Forgot. It was a brunch place. I forget. Too. Oh my god! I, I no one knows. But if you pull down the sign, because Prost didn't. Prost is better. I'm gonna have to edit, edit the names out because no free promos. And I remember Ezra was there, and he called me Lewis. I thought you were. Uh, yeah. it gotta edit that out. No, maybe I won't. Who cares? But anyways, uh, he thought I was Lewis, and then I uh, he called me Lewis, and then he joined the crew, and then you didn't come back to Austin's place at um just 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 ignore. She's being needy. You didn't come back to Austin's place with it's more more that you joined the crew. To be clear, you no. were invited to Dacha. Not, not no, no, no. You know, I, but you, you I was a founding. I was a founding yeah, member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was okay, a founding. Okay. Uh, all right. How did you? How did you meet? You met him at the same place. The same time. Was that all right? Anyway, so okay, we've established that it went by fast. Um, although I will say, like, the first and third year, or rather, the second year for me. I don't know about you guys. I can't remember a single thing from two L. Zero. Like, if you ask Nothing. me, what did you take during two L? What did you learn? What did you? I don't remember anything. Well, I think again, not. I hate the fact that COVID is dominating all the discussion. I mean, it's inevitable. Everything, but but COVID. It's literally, that that's what happened. So you have to... I The past few years definitely blend together for me. So I think of it in terms of like significant events and holidays or, or basically big social opportunities, right? It was like, oh, I saw you guys at... When I had a party at my place or when we went to a Halloween thing when it was like feasible, right? It was like... Or when, you know, when New York and DC went maskless for the summer. And that's... Right. Like, I, I sort of orient myself differently now than I would have thought in past in years past where... Probably a lot more would have happened over the course of a few months, but, um, but yeah, no, it definitely all blended together school-wise. It was all just Zoom, and you know, I mean, how can, how are you supposed to sort of encapsulate that or, or sort of articulate it? But. I mean, Ezra, do you have, do you feel the same on just 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 you know, she's fine, she's just sniffing, she misses you. Do you feel the same way where like one L is crystal clear every day, everything? It one L feels like it lasted for you know years, and then two L and even to a lesser degree three L is just like that you know there are there are certain points in 2l that are especially significant so it's like when we did our recruiting stuff i remember that when well we, recruiting you're talking about oci yeah, yeah i don't yeah. remember that at all i, I remember that <laughs> I remember the I, sadness there, there are a few points that like but i th- those were things that felt especially significant to me at the time and so it makes sense that i remember them but like day to day in 2l i've got nothing because it was all i mean right it, now i remember one l i remember it but Basically, yeah. the whole the whole month, I guess, and I wouldn't even say week, because usually you couldn't hang out week to week, but I would say the whole, you'd orient yourself, at least I would, look at my schedule for the month and be like, oh, what's feasibly possible, or, you know, feasibly acceptable in terms of social gatherings, and I'm like, I'm looking forward to this, and I'm just going to do school the rest of the time. And it was sort of depressing, frankly. The, right? I mean, the other thing is, like, we didn't really go to class during 2L. Like, I don't know about you guys, I, I just, you know, basically watched class on... Uh, it's called Panapto. It's this like like basically YouTube for for law school, and I just didn't go, and so maybe that's why. Because most me, of- I actually to in order to stay sane, I you had went to, to class. Attend I remember class on time because otherwise I would have just slept in and, and felt like I was in a you know the twilight zone and. Just to do, I think Ezra's the same way. Yes. I mean, you're the same way in, in real life as well. As you know, I've I've gone to every minute of every class and he done every page. You've never, minute, wait, wait, so. you've never missed a single class in law school. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I've missed a class here and there, and, and I've rewatched. How it, many classes like, have you missed? Only for debate. Only for debate. Fewer than ten. You, wait, that's a lot. I think that might be more than well, over over three years. Literally only. Do for you think? Do you think there's anyone in law school that hasn't missed a single class, even with COVID? Yeah, probably. You think? You think there's someone that we know? Who hasn't missed a single class? There's no way. There's no way. I, I honestly, I don't think so. Um, 
But it is impressive that because Ezra not only goes to class, but he keeps his camera on. Because with Zoom, most people like myself, I'll turn the camera. The I'll, professors really like when you have the camera on. Yeah, and I just was, my mom has yeah. said that as well, just as a med yeah. school professor. Even sort of a year in the pandemic, it, maybe they have smaller classes. I have no idea, but um, she does find it sort of strange when she's just talking into a. Sometimes phone, sometimes I had one professor this semester that said, like, she kind of snapped. She was like, this is not a podcast. <laughs> Subtle plot. I understand from um, that perspective. Yeah, well, but... Some, it, people, some professors just don't care. But at the same time, like, you don't know people's circumstances. Like, for me, you know, some people might have a household where they can't, you know, uh, whatever. And for me, like, you know, I just sometimes want to lie on my bed with my computer down. Or, you yeah, know, but that's become a bit of use, frankly, right? It's like, at first, it was, like, probably too much, like, too much of an onus on having your camera on because we didn't understand this new reality and it was like we have to maintain as much face-to-face -face interaction as possible but then i think people start to take advantage of that and say oh you know i'm like i'm i have some errand to run but they're literally just in bed like with the, you know their laptop on their on their lap that's so me I, you know some some people go to the bathroom right yeah, you know no, there's some people that's who do that but there take was, a shower. I think there was a point like a year in where the professors just stopped caring at least at law school and it was like half the at least half the class had their cameras off Ezra, do you think, what do you think, okay, what would 2019 Ezra say if I sat down with him and I said, you're going to law school at Georgetown, you're going to have a global pandemic that takes place in uh, the spring of 2020 into 2022 with your friends still testing positive two years later. What do you think 2019 Ezra would say to that? I have no it's idea. A, I, would, question. I would be I would be in disbelief. I mean, I don't, I, I think it's become so normal to us now. And I think you're going to say this, you discussed this on yet another podcast, but, <laughs> but the human mind is so good at quickly adjusting to adversity that this feels normal now, whereas before it would seem totally alien. So I, I think it's frankly difficult to answer that question, but you know, it, it would have been shocking we, at the time. We, and now it yeah. feels totally, totally right. We call Ezra logical Louvis among our friends because he, he always gives the answer that's like completely in line with reason. Austin, what do you think about that? Just what I would have done differently? No, or? no, he's like, wasn't paying attention. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, we were saying that if you were to, if I were to sit down with 2019 uh, James, uh, Austin Lowe, and say, uh, you know, we have a pandemic coming, two thirds of law school will be spent. Uh, you know, in the midst of this pandemic, how would you have reacted to that, knowing that ahead of time? I mean, I was told that, or I... You were told <laughs> You were told that 2020? <laughs> were you so in Wuhan? I thought that it would last two years, but no, frankly, I mean, I remember <laughs> my friends in China, for example, you know, COVID had hit, and we didn't... It, it was in the sort of global consciousness to some extent, we didn't really appreciate what it was. And even I remember conversations with the professors in person around late February, early March, and... They were saying, oh, you know, I've heard we might go remote to, you know, a little bit for a little bit and then come back. And I just didn't believe it. I was like, I just thought, OK, this is going to be like SARS is going to be contained. Right. And it'll be fine. So I guess I, w I probably just wouldn't believe it is my point, because because we did ha we didn't have a full sort of conceptualization of what it would look like. But I also just it, it's incomprehensible, right, to have not been. Unless you live through this timeline, it's, it's really incomprehensible to imagine. Would it have changed either of your decisions to go to law school? Knowing that, because there were people that put it off. There were people that, you know, like we had the benefit of having two thirds of a school year before we went virtual, but there are people who had a whole year of virtual. But no, because what's the alternative? What's better? Especially Waiting until you're 40. Not even if you're not even if you're 22, right? If, if you're 22 and approaching the workforce, you're going to be remote in the work environment. I'd say that's I'm really glad I had my first few years of work in person because that's something I'll never be able to do again. And, and frankly, a lot of the 
Gen Z, et cetera, they haven't really had that. And that's, they're going to suffer for that to some extent in terms of, you know, once we are fully back in person, mm. there are dynamics in the workplace that you just don't learn in college. You don't really understand how to be professional and, and to, you know, how to treat clients with. Right. You know, what do you think, Ezra? Yeah, yeah it, it would not, it would not have changed my decision at all. Mm. If, if anything, it would have made me more likely to go to, to law do school. it. Cause I think, yeah, optimal, optimal time to get it done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I would have rather done it. Even if I were 22, I would have just gone through it. And, I yeah. think you guys are looking at this, like, like through the singular dimension of like law school is about getting the degree and, and advancing your career. I just think there's, and we could talk about the social dimension as well, but like for people that are looking at law school to make friends and like meet, you know, potential like, like uh, spouses or whatever, it's like, you're not going to do that online. You know what I mean? No, agreed. But I mean, also, I was. Well, I said, but, imagine I was twenty-two. I probably still would have done it. But I, I started twenty-seven, as did you. Uh, yeah, old. And old I, I had certain goals coming in mind. I, this is my second grad degree. I, I wanted to. I, I would never want to be a lawyer's lawyer. I wanted to be a sort of regulatory and policy lawyer and do what I was already doing, but in a legal context, right? And that, so I had a goal to achieve, and I, hopefully, I'm going to do that. But there's no point in putting that off just for the sake of an extra year in person. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you have to compare it to what the alternative would be. Mm -hmm. And so if you're not in school, which like gives you a thing to occupy yourself with day in and day out, gives you kind of a horizon for the future, which provides you a sense of security. It's like, you kind of know what's coming. You can plan, you can think about what's in front of you. I'd rather that than, you know, kind of be working online i'd prefer that to just kind of being being aimless just pursuing personal, personal right projects or something so i hear that i just think in a lot of ways this is our last opportunity you know it's, it's time time to get kind of dismal but it's our last opportunity to be in a like you know something akin to a college campus environment where we're with people our own age and we're, you know, it's it's a good place, good environment to meet people. Like we're not gonna, all of us are working at firms. Like we're not gonna be around like like-minded people who are have the same backgrounds, like same age. Um, so I don't know. I just, I I, want, I worry about like kind of setting priorities for that. But I do want to. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good. Positive, I guess, because um, I definitely hear you on that, and I've thought about it a lot, but. I think the positive flip side of that is that maybe we develop stronger bonds with fewer people and maybe we'll maintain those friendships through throughout our thirties and forties and into our adulthood, obviously. Like and you know, I appreciate the friendships I did make in the first seven to eight months that we were in person, right, in one L and you guys are two of them. And uh, I think that's a you know, we didn't come out of this totally empty handed in, in that regard. But it is interesting that like I always think about this. The people that we met the very first day of orientation are like you know, closest friends that we have in law school. It's so interesting how that works out. Like you, like you think about like, you know, alternate universes or whatever, like what if I had come in an hour later and I wasn't sitting in the row ahead of, of Austin yeah. and I had like sat near, you know, other friends, other people that we know in our section. It's like, would I then be friends with them? Like is our inherent compatibility so strong? I, I do like to think we probably would have found each other over time. I do think looking I don't know. back at our 100 person section. Friendship of convenience. We probably all would have gravitate towards each other to some degree at some point in time but i don't know it's, what do you think question yeah given given your given your take you might edit this out given your take she's got I, a I shoe you'd eventually she's, she's got a shoe whose shoe is that oh great That's <laughs> sorry penny's got a shoe you can include that if you want uh the shoe or the comment 
No, no, you're fine. You're fine. I think that, like, when when you get into this, like, counterfactual stuff of, like, oh, would I have made the same friends or whatever, I, you know, that could go in any, there you know, infinite possible universes, the metaverse, etc. An interesting point that is raised by Ezra, or that triggered my thought on this, is that we actually probably got to know people a lot better, not necessarily in good ways, because of COVID. (laughs) Okay. Like, you saw everyone's... And not to slander anyone's home. It's like worst instincts. I yeah. Meant, yeah, it, it's yeah, that's true. That, we, that especially, but there's a much more personal aspect to it, and you had to be intentional about who you interacted with and like set up a time, whatever. But no, but also you got to learn a lot more about people than probably if we were all just going back and forth to campus day to day and, and busy as hell and not just sitting at home wondering what to do with ourselves aside from class. Maybe that wouldn't have happened. I don't know. So you, actually, I think to your point, oh, earlier point we probably still would have been friends because we gravitate towards each other and that well here's another here's another counterfactual i know i know ezra doesn't like these but i love these these thought experiments so george so our law school has a thing called curriculum b which is like the alternative policy-based thing where you talk about like the implications of the law not just the black letter law what if one or all of us had signed up for curriculum b and we had been in a different section altogether then it's interesting to think about like we probably never would have even met I'd probably like seen you on yeah, campus. Right. I could like look at you guys and, and just like strangers. That, like I recently met people in other sections or that were in other sections in one L that uh, you know they're awesome and they they're interested in the same things as me and, and they're they could have been my friends. Probably, it's too late though. It's too late. Yeah, too, too late. late. I'm not. I'm not yeah. gonna, I don't have time for this. I'm not going to invest in a whole new friendship. I have enough. Some cost. Like, yeah. You're stuck with the, us. The sections to an extent, and I, you know Georgetown I think balances this by having large sections but having multiple large sections. The sections are silent. You mm. see the same group of 100 people constantly, and you have very limited opportunities to connect, at least in one L year. Right, even in, in one L. People in, other, people in other sections. Those opportunities happen, but they frankly mostly come your second year when you start doing more activities and stuff yeah, like and that. That's, that's only when you get more exposure to yeah. the rest of the student body. And that's probably what we missed out on, frankly. And we did our own mini version of it with some national security focused law students. So we've We've had some happy hours, you know, amid the pandemic, and that's how I met some new people that I didn't know in one L, for example, and, you know, it's been nice, but... Um, Austin's the best yeah. networker I know. Every day, he'll be like, hey, he's like, oh, like, are you going to, like, 6.15 to 7.15? You're going to the networking happy hour for the na- national security, like, like club? Austin but does good. have a lot of very, No, very, very valuable. I, I gotta tell you, I, I don't think I've ever been to a, a, a bar view or, or, or some happy hour without Austin being like, hey, can you, you know, Ricky, I want you to meet this guy. He's like a formal, he's a former, like, colleague. It's, it's, it's impressive. It's a, it's a big network. So, what do you guys think has surprised do the most about law school if you had to like name one thing going into law school versus coming out of it what's what's been the biggest surprise the biggest surprise to me is just how different everyone's individual process and approach to law school is Mm -hmm. what's so interesting is you come in and everyone makes it seem as though there's this orthodoxy for how you go through law school it's like you prepare your outline at a certain time (laughs) You do this type of thing to get ready for class, etc. And none of that maps on largely to what to what people do. They all have fairly different versions of how they learn, how they prepare, how they study. And so you get some people, and I do this, where it's like you rigorously prepare for each class. Mm. You have some people that do the opposite, where they like skim the reading. Maybe they don't even show up to class. It's me at this And point. then they very effectively summarize and consume the material two weeks before the exam right and 
those two those two people equally effective at the end. They might get the same braid, they might do just as well, they might retain the same amount of information. It's just a totally different process. And so that I think is really, really cool. It's like everyone makes it seem like it's such a cookie cutter experience. And yet there are so many different approaches to it that can end up working out. Mm, or or yeah. not. Or not working out. There are a lot of ways to screw it up. I guess also. to build on that point, but, mine would be that uh hmm, interesting. Mine would be that it's not as in the way you would anticipate it to be meritocratic, it's not such that you went to the best college in the world and you're gonna be a good lawyer or you know, you had the best job and you're gonna be a great lawyer. It's actually it is a bit democratizing in the sense to Ezra's point that some people just have a knack for it and and maybe they're they're good at one aspect like really good at advocacy and it's public speaking and mm -hmm. yeah maybe they're not going to be the person researching all the the case on the back end but they can they can find a niche in this field and other people will be a more technical you know regulatory lawyer or a, a focus on a specific area of the law and like be an expert of that it is interesting how there are so many ways for different people to succeed in this field so that's i think that's something that's nice and it's not usually apparent day-to-day -day because it is a field where everyone's very focused on prestige and what it, what are your credentials you know where'd you go to law school what did you clerk etc right um and actually i think there are many ways in which you can just be successful in the field if you just don't categorize yourself in the traditional ways and i think luckily the field's changing in that way there's a lot more of a focus on tech law there's a lot more of a focus on uh you know non-traditional areas that are increasingly relevant for both public and private practice and uh, and yeah, that's that's the short. Okay, so biggest surprises: Austin's le uh, less meritocratic than he expected, and then Ezra's uh, different. People have different approaches um, to law school uh, as opposed to like the general or orthodoxy. So for me, mine mine is very simple, and it's the same one that I had when we did the podcast during one L. So I'm surprised by how much law school resembles high school. I thought it'd be more like college. People would have their individual uh, kind of groups, but more or less still be open to new people and new experiences. Um, but I think that it's it's felt like the drama, and I, I know that's a very loaded word, but the drama of high schools present in sure. law school, as well as the kind of the, the clickiness, the general like, you know, you're cool, you're not cool, you're in, you're in this group, you're not in this group, has been present. I think some of that is a product of the sections that, that Ezra spoke about. Um, some of it is Georgetown specific. Some of it's just law school in general. Uh, but is that something you guys noticed? That's been the biggest surprise for me, for sure. I definitely noticed it. And one thing that may contribute to it is law school is a much more, it's not necessarily more competitive than college, but everyone in law school is competing against each other. And in college, I think there are potentially various groups that are competing against each other, but you're, you're, the people's goals are so vastly divergent in law school, they're a lot more similar. So mm -hmm. people are competing for the same jobs to work at the same firms or agencies. Every class is curved and stuff like that. And I think that creates an environment where people sometimes feel uncomfortable being too collegial with too many people, weirdly enough. And I okay. think it pushes people towards, here's your group of five friends that's your core group, and then you have a bunch of kind of acquaintance relationships outside of that. What What do you think, Austin? No, I didn't. You're right. I didn't anticipate how much it would be a return to sort of a college or high school like environment. But at the same time, 
that happens in the workplace too. I mean, there's internal politics everywhere. There's sort of different cliques and alliances and strange, you know, dynamics you have to deal with. I just think it's almost, yeah, that's amplified when you're in a hundred person section at a big law school and a prestigious law school. And, uh, and yeah, it is, it is, but you're all, you're students again, right? So that naturally that there's the professionalism aspect is lessened maybe than you're when you're in the workplace, but, um, it's still there and it's always going to be there when we're mm-hmm. at our future jobs, you know, we're gonna have to deal with different Excellent. dynamics too. I mean, look, I, I, I hear, sorry, sorry. no, you guys are good. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I just think for me, I, and I understand your point, Austin, that like the workforce is also a, a, a kind of a breeding ground for this clickiness. For me, though, I just thought, how do I say this? I just thought that people in law school would be more, more open-minded. And I think a lot of what happened in 1L cemented, you know, like, like, like I feel like a lot of the friend groups and relationships from 1L are kind of still in, in play two years later. Well, I think, again, I think that's unique to our situation because we were sort of frozen in time in March 2020. And, and yeah, it was, it was difficult, right? It was, we had to make efforts and, and great efforts to stay in touch. And, and we did, thankfully, with, at least with us or among us and uh, a few more of us. But, um, I think naturally, you know, the, that stuff was frozen in time. A lot of people went home and then you sort of come back and you're almost in 1L again, 1L 2.0, right? Rather than being an, in a normal 3L or 2L situation. Ezra, do you think this is specific to Georgetown? I think it's, it's endemic everywhere in law school. What? The, the, the sense of like closed friends, friend groups and, and the fact that the, the, the drama-laden kind of environment. No, I think it's everywhere. I, I have a very close friend who went to Michigan who before I went to law school, like sent me, wrote me up this thing. and was like, here, here are a bunch of tips. And what were those tips? Can, can you share one, them? One of the tips was it is a lot more like high school than it is like college. I got some tips from a friend and he said, number one, don't, don't uh, get too drunk at bar reviews. And number two is don't, Very smart. don't sleep with anyone in your section. <laughs> those were the two, those were the two I'm tips. I'm not going to comment. Yeah. I'm those not, were from your perspective. Do, I'm not going to comment do, on that last point. Those were the two tips that, that he got. What, what were the, what were the tips that you got? Uh, a, a number of them. High like, school. High school was yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, one major one was it's a lot like high school. It feels fairly clicky. Yeah. Yep. I, I think it's true, everyone, but like Austin said, it's it's I think it's amplified because Georgetown um, is 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 so large. Um, what about so, okay? So, so so we've established the kind of the biggest uh, surprises for you guys. What about the the best memory? If you had to pick like a best memory that you've had from your three years in law school, is there? It can either be a specific experience, a day. This this long pause is indicative of why people should think twice before going to law school. <laughs> What's the best memory in three years? No, no, I think we have, a, I don't, we have many is the point. Oh, there's just too many. There's just too many long nights of anxiety and distress. I could share mine. I feel like yeah, maybe this will give you some ideas. So a lot of my best memories are still from 1L just because those, yeah. those are so salient. Like, you know, you're meeting everyone for the first time. I feel like everyone was like one big happy family. Like after our civil procedure exam – on December nineteenth, twenty nineteen, we time. got drinks yeah. afterwards. We all yeah. broke off. We all um went back to uh, someone's house for a party. Uh, also, I would say barrister's ball. I couldn't go to this last one, but the first barrister's ball, one L. Austin, I'm sorry, buddy. Austin couldn't go because he had a comedy show. Who's performing? Was it a good, uh, good, good comedian? Tim and Eric. Oh God, Tim! It wasn't yeah. even good. Yeah, your favorite. You're like yeah, ten years old. Uh, so 
Anyways, Barrister's Ball is like law prom. First year we had it at the uh, American Natural History Museum. Uh, Ezra was in a tux. I was in a tux. Um, that's up there. And then also I would say the first bar review at Bar Deco. That just like going, walking around and... Yeah, we all went to that, I guess. Yeah, yeah and like... That was your first meeting everyone. This was during orientation. This was Monday. Yeah. No, this was Tuesday or Wednesday. No, it was Thursday, obviously. And... You know, being in that environment for the first time, seeing people in other sections, it's just like it was cool. I remember I talked to Dana there, one of one of our friends from One L. So my toga party, that's not one of them. Doesn't make the oh cut. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, th- what about you guys? Is that does that yeah bring that, that mind? helps a little bit? I, I was gonna go with something a lot more selfish, but what? I think debate winning the no, debate. No, 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 no. So the barristers. The first one would probably be one of the first classes i feel like you, you can't such a nerd you can't but like you can't ever forget that and it's like it's what such class a quintessential law school within contract contracts 9 a.m 9 a.m monday and 9 feinstein monday is mr feinstein here i thought about yes. so i'm probably not going to apply to be section speaker but i thought about uh applying it so every section does graduation i thought about applying to section speaker for you. and uh and having the, the first lines be is andrew feinstein here as like an that's inside that, joke that'd be actually hilarious. that'd um, be great all right. You should have done it. Now. Well, it's I still. I, I, is it too late? It's April fourth. Was the deadline? Are you serious? Shoot. Yeah. That wow. makes me feel bad. Do we know who we got? No. Uh, we'll, I think we find out. Like we'll talk about, talk about it offline. Thanks. I'm, I'm going to boycott. Should have been me. Anyway, so finish your thought. So contracts was the highlight of your. No, <laughs> no, 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 not the highlight, but like that's a special memory. Okay, it's fine, like your fine, first fine. Class your first introduction it was intense, and I felt like that that was a particular like. This is a traditional law school experience. Like that class was very much. Yeah, he was old school. Traditional Socratic method. Cold calls, intensity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mixed opinions on him as a professor. But I will also say we do this thing called bingo, or I do this thing. No one else really participates. Where you have a bingo board, and during the lectures, every time the professor says something, like, uh, what was what's something that our contracts professor used to always say? Doctrinal. Say doctr- what I want you to say. Say what I want you to say. Doctrinal indeterminacy. So, okay, anything else? Anything non academic? Best memory? Kind of like a slap in the face to all your friends. And like, I think not. I mean, you asked me for a law school memory. Not no, like a, no, law school, no, a memory in the last three years oh, that you've been oh, in law school. okay. Like okay, anything okay. that's, I mean, I would hope it's something to do with law school people. It's not like, oh, I cooked, I cooked paella in Clarendon. It's like, that's not I made a pretty good paella. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he does food tasting too. He does, uh, yeah. yeah, Instagram stories. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so, so you're a pot. You got anything? No, I, I like my first class thing. I think that's a good answer. All right, Austin, nice come on, pick him up, pick him up. Austin's gonna be like the first networking event I had with GLS. No, uh, no, there are many. I I really enjoyed sort of, frankly, our excursions outside. Like, I'm glad that you guys have met my close friends in DC and New York, and that we've done stuff. You met my family in New York, for example. Like, you came to uh, Christmas party, my Christmas party, 2019, prior to COVID, and uh, pre-C. You both been my family space out in Long Island like I, I enjoy like sustaining friendships like that so to me it's been valuable in that sense and like that, those are happy memories for me but you can't so, so, so nothing concrete springs to mind like a nothing, single no, a single many, day a single moment there's many your birthday on campus uh, or your birth. what about your birthday party during my birthday party 20, was great 20, yes, was I'm like thinking fun. of answers for you 2020 was this pre-COVID when you had that big it was party right before COVID yeah. You never you were never with me for my birthday the whole the last three years, dude. No, December of uh of twenty nineteen when we That was Well you didn't want to do anything. The Zipro final. But you didn't want to do anything because you were studying. No, it was before the Zipro final. And then And then we just had a big then everyone went home. We had a big like party the night after. Right. Honestly for me, and then it was like, yeah, everyone went home. 
Yeah, a lot of my memories. It's just it's funny because I think both of you guys frame law school as being so uh, like such an academically driven experience. And for me, I mean, it's like this for college too. I just look at everything through the lens of like personal growth and like social and community. And those are the things that stand to mind. Like I don't remember like 50 years from now, Ezra, I'm not going to remember a single class, a single professor. Maybe. But Maybe. I will remember barristers and I'll remember, you know, I, going to these bars with you guys and having late no, night talks right. at 4 a.m. on I, Austin's I will say, I, I talked to one of my close friends' parents went to law school together. They're, okay. you know, they're much older now. They've been out of school for decades. They remember vividly who their professors were. They remember weird things the professors said in class. They remember what other students said in class. Like, I'll probably, I, mean, I'll, I'll, I, I might remember that. I think, I, I think you're going to remember I'm that remember more that. so than anyone else. I remember else. the first cold calls in CivPro. Remember, um, uh, he had a rough cold call. Yeah, but I remember the social stuff as well. I mean, that's, that's what I spoke to, though. I, I value the long-term friendships, though, more than, like... Bingo boards. The random, the random bar review nights, frankly. I, like, Barristers, my pre-party, when we did that pre-game... Uh, yeah, I missed that. R.I.P. 2022 pre-game, uh, Hero Rick. But, um, yeah, the pre-party in 2020, we had a good showing. I used brought up the megaphone. Everyone looked nice. It was the first time. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually sad. That's one... Regret I have is I missed that for Tim and Eric. But. All right, so time. So, so so now it's gonna get a little darker. So worst memory or biggest challenge? No, I'm good. That biggest challenge. You can't rush perfection. Biggest worst memory or biggest challenge? Just just let her run around. She's being psychotic. THD didn't work. I'm gonna just inject her with something else later. He just took his phone. Just... No, I'm listening. I'm listening. Sorry, <laughs> right, I'm texting Nico Okada. So what's the worst memory or biggest challenge that you guys have had in, in law school? I'm not going to answer first this time because I need some, some you know, listeners are re- who haven't been to law school really want to know what's the most challenging aspect of it, you know? What was the, the either an experience or a singular moment that was particularly difficult for you? So think- this, this, might be, this might be too easy of an answer, and if, if so, I can give another one. I think, like... Finding a way to give a shit during COVID was the hardest part. Finding a way to give a shit about school in particular. Do you mean during mandatory pass fail when we didn't have grades? Or yes. just yeah. Well that that specifically, but also even the previous semester. It's like what like why why does this why on a day to day basis does this matter? Why am I motivated to actually What was the previous semester? Get into it. The what? the fall. Well, what, we, what, we what, had grades in the fall. Why would why wouldn't you be motivated? But that wasn't COVID. <laughs> fall of twenty twenty? Oh, I'm so confused. I thought you meant fall of 2019. You said the spring of 2020. No, no, no. During COVID. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I guess it makes sense. During COVID in general. Okay. I thought you meant mandatory. I mean, sure. Yeah. Past fail in particular, but during, like, going to school during COVID in general, I think very difficult. It's like you have to remind yourself on a daily basis, why do I care about this? Why does it matter? Right. Uh, For that first semester when it was like everything you're doing is important, affects whether or not you'll get a job. Fairly obvious motivation. But after that, not so much. A little bit harder. And that was challenging. What about you? I think realizing that sort of all the skills that I have built up in my prior career and even academic experiences were not necessarily, like, the best for law school. Like, mm. I, I did, you know, I did fine. I did well. But it's, you know, you're in 1L and, and you don't really get the grades you necessarily expect in every class, right? You might think you're going to do badly in one class and you get a great grade and, and vice versa in another class. And it's it's sort of the great equalizer. And that's what I sort of have talked with people about who, you know, 
if, if you're allowed the 22 year olds who came right out of college to far better than people that KJDs. Yeah. Think Kindergarten they're, think JD. They're smarter than everyone else, including me. I was one of them, frankly, for a little bit. And, um, and that was just an interesting experience and which it was fine. I still got everything I wanted out of the one L and also the, the rest of the experience, but, um, it is a great equalizer, right? It's like nothing you come in with is really going to help you. It's actually, mm. you have to be totally willing to engage with a new framework of learning. Got and, another and, shoe. I got it. Keep talking. Yeah, and everything that comes That's with it. That's my so. shoe. So for me, I got, I, I, I hear all you guys. I got three very specific uh, worst memories. Number one is final exams, particularly the first final exams in fall of 2019. I don't know about you guys. I'm a notoriously bad test taker. I just get like test anxiety. Uh, I get in my head. It's just. It's I don't a, at all, which is why I was pissed that I didn't do as well as I expected. It's a mess, particularly with like the contracts exam, like where you had to. We, our professor, there was this weird grading system where like you had to name like a couple of items that were. I don't even know how to describe it. It was. You would get an, a very short fact pattern and you had to like name a couple of contractual. Uh, elements or principles. So I know I struggled with finals a lot. And by the way, I, I worked my ass off that first semester. You guys remember I put an Instagram story. I was in the library at like 4 a.m. And people would be like, why are you studying so much? Yeah, you were taking uh, caffeine pills. I was intense, but I was a gunner. I was a hardo. So that's the first thing is the final exams. The second thing, um, it's probably my clinic experience this year, which I'm not going to elaborate on because of you know the public facing nation of my podcast. But that was that's that's been one of the bigger challenges that I've had for a lot of no she what oh, talk about she's sorry. a year old she's not going to pee. Uh, and number three is navigating all the various drama, which you know we, we're not going to get into specifics. Uh, Austin didn't Austin didn't mention any of that. Uh, Ezra doesn't have any drama because he's squeaky clean. But um, yeah, navigating friend drama squeaky. Relate. Squeaky. It's, it's a weird phrase, isn't it? Squeaky clean. Squeaky. Why? Why squeaky? Why not like? I mean, I, but but when, I, when I think of clean and you're like, here's a glass that I just washed. You think squeaky clean? Squeak. But you you know what I mean though? Like, I I I, I guess it's true for you guys and and you know, Austin's doesn't want to probably talk about this even if we speak generally, but like. Fallouts with friends has been have been very stressful, and I feel like that's inevitable in in school. But like I've, I've unfortunately had a couple of fallouts with friends, breakups. I, I try to avoid fallouts. Yeah, Ezra's just on good terms with everybody, yeah. with everybody. But like you know what I mean, Austin. Fallouts with friends is is difficult, and um, breakups. So I think to to reiterate, when did you get your phone back? I t- <laughs> I, t- I took his phone away because he was uh, he was distracted on the job. So to reiterate, the three worst memories. For me, the final exams, the clinic experience, and the friend and relationship drama. Ezra's worst memory was, let me see if I can recall from two minutes ago. Uh, I remember the best memory was contracts. Did you did you answer the question? I did. The worst memory? Something academic, right? Oh my God. I, 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 was listening in, I was listening intently. Austin's worst memory was something vague talking about policy, right? What were your worst memories? I didn't answer yet. Oh, you didn't answer yet? Yeah. Ezra, what was your worst memory? I did. I answered. Can, can you remind me? Oh, my gosh. It was uh, finding motivation Fine, sorry, during COVID. Oh, yeah, of course. Finding motivation during COVID. She, she, she distracted me. Oh, what was your worst answer? I feel like he Austin answered. No, I didn't. What I, was your worst, an, worst memory? I did not, right? You did not. I think he did. Uh, but if he did, you can listen back. No, I actually answered this. No, I said it was it was dealing with uh, realizing I was not as far. Right, you did answer this. You yeah, made yeah, me sorry, feel like I'm crazy. Right, yeah. 
Um, so by the way, uh, and, and, you know, I, I love these guys. They're, they're good friends of mine, but, but, uh, very, Ezra's very, you know, we might have to put him in a, 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 a you know, some sort of a clinic or something. Cause he's very, uh, techno, uh, technophile. Excuse me. Technocrat. Tech, he's, he's a technocrat. Very, I've never seen this man without his, without his phone in his right hand. Um, always scrolling, always be scrolling. Yeah, I know that, in, that, that was the term you were looking for. Instagram handle. So. Do you guys still want to be lawyers? I mean, serious question. Yes. Has as was already as was already has law school made you more, more or less excited about the prospect of being a lawyer than you were in 2019? I mean, more because we're almost there. I mean, like we've spent three years learning to do this thing, and now we're about to get to do it. Like it's right. great. I'm super excited. That, that's it. No, no caveats. No, no. exceptions. No, I look. Every piece of advice I got going in was don't go, right? Was that no, no? It wasn't don't go. You it was you make, a make up your mind and make sure you actually want to do it. Mm-hmm. Which, like, is the reason why, like you two, I worked at a firm for two years. You worked. Uh, you worked at a firm for two years. I worked at a firm for two years. I liked being around lawyers. I liked the work, and I said, "Hey, I can see myself in this environment. I think I'm going to enjoy it," and I haven't looked back. I feel very confident in that decision. Wow. And the people Wrong who have person. trouble are the ones who are who who do not go through that process ex ante and who discover whether or not they like a legal environment during law school, which can be hard, but it can be jarring. Uh what do you think, Austin? I don't know. Again, I, I never wanted to pursue the same things as Ezra. I've always been interested in US China relations, foreign policy. I did law because it would enable me to do more in that world, frankly, in, in that larger world. Um, but no, I still enjoy the legal field, and that's why I would gravitate towards it. I always thought policy was a bit too vague and wonky, whereas law, you can actually get things done and enact, you know, fundamental change, like we're seeing with Russia right now. Frankly, all all the stuff that's being done on sanctions and export controls—that's legal work that's being done. It's not. It's not policy pronouncements or policy discussions, right? Right. I mean, there's a policy background to it. But I don't know. For me, it's, it's enabled me to do more of what I want to do. So I, I have no regrets. It's, yeah. Ezra, I want to push back on something you said, though. You were like if, – you said something like if everyone engages in this thoughtful process of considering like whether or not they're certain that they want to go to law school, then they shouldn't be – or you know, presumably they wouldn't uh, be less excited about being a lawyer or whatever. Like for me – and you guys know this. I – really never wanted to pursue law. It was always a means to an end. Like, you know, go to law school, come out, um, make, you know, uh, earn a good income, and then to Austin's point, like do something in policy. Uh, So I was kind of discouraged from the get-go. And I I will say like now having been through like COVID, uh, our law school's been kind of put through the ringer like in a number of different fronts in the last couple of years. Um, and knowing more of what the practice of law entails, like day to day, yeah, like I'm, I'm definitely like not looking forward to it. You know what I mean? I know that's like not the the most positive messaging for listeners. Um, but yeah, it's it's and Austin made the point earlier about like the amount of research and, and drafting that that goes into like being a lawyer. It's not flashy or, or you know, it's not anything like like it's depicted on in the media. So I'm not. Yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not looking forward to it. Um, and that's assuming we all pass the bar, which is like, who knows? You yeah, know? that's really the other hurdle. Assuming we even pass the NPRE, which did I you did you guys take it yet? Yeah, but it's a tough test. That's when I took it's it a tough test. Ago, so, yeah. Especially because I'm a uh, I'm a I'm like a notoriously bad test taker. I used the full time. I was like sweating buckets. They were like, "Are you okay?" You know, I needed need an IV. It was it was a tough one. Well, um, so it is strange that the legal professions ethics exam is so 
sort of nebulous in terms of what the correct answer is. It's like it's usually not the most apparently ethical, right? It's it's yeah, exactly. Uh, it's yeah. like the second most. Yeah, it's not the thing yeah, it's that yeah. The, it's, it's, it's like the most like the most ethical through a practical lens. Um. Okay, so we've established that both of you are still excited to be lawyers. So it's only me. So to be honest with you, of the three of us, I think it's pretty clear that I'm least likely to still be practicing law in 10, 15 years. Do you guys think in 2032, 2042 that you're still going to be doing this? Or I mean, Austin, in your, in your case, it sounds like you you know, might, might pivot to something else pretty soon. Uh, no, I certainly am excited to practice law and uh i'm i'm gonna be doing law that is related to my interests and and focus areas so that's great i've always had an interest in public service for sure that's been a long time goal of mine and what form that takes i don't know but i'll certainly hope i hope i'm doing that within the next 10 years or something in some capacity okay um but uh ezra do you think you're still gonna be uh, penny's done her done her damnedest to distract us this entire time by the way for, for folks listening at home um do you think you're still going to be practicing law in 10, yeah, 20 years? Absolutely. Which, which is what? So, pre, you know, you're going to be a district court judge? Uh, well, we'll Ezra? We'll see. We'll see. Oh, well, he's, he's worried about pu- any public-facing comments. <laughs> but this this could be something where, you know, we saw you, people listening, and, and then 20 years from now, um, yeah, maybe nominated for— you explain every sentence on No, this. you haven't, you haven't <laughs> said—you guys have both—you're both very, uh, very prudent with, with things. And I'm, I'm the opposite. I'm, you know, I just throw caution in the wind. But— um, but I'm trying to think if there was if there was anything else uh, that we wanted to that we wanted to to cover in our our reflection back from law school. I mean, this is you know it's 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 such a, an enormous investment of you know money. Uh, I, we don't have to probe your financials, but you know what two hundred seventy thousand dollars worth of uh, of education. And then the time, I just for me, I've always been of the mindset like question, be skeptical, wondering like it, whether this is worth it. I, yeah, I will say it, it took a lot, right? It's not, uh, and I'm not saying that to pat ourselves on the back. It's just, it is not for everyone. It's, I think it's, it's worth it if you have an idea of what you want to do in mind. I don't think it's the, if you're just in it to sort of make money or, or have a stable career, there's other pathways to that, especially nowadays. Yeah, With the wish I knew that three firms, years ago. I mean, like, you know, that's why I think it's valuable to Ezra's point to take some time off to do work at a law firm or do something else for a couple of years, make sure you have a, an idea of what law school can do for you and then go forward with the decision because it is a big commitment. Do you guys wonder what it would have been like if you went somewhere else? Would you have a different, would you have had a different experience if you went to, you know, Stanford or dare I say, Harvard Law, Harvard, Harvard, Harvard. or, you know, one of the other schools in DC, GW American, do you think it would have been a different experience? I think about that. It it would have been micro level different, but it is law school is fundamentally designed to teach you the same things hmm. wherever wherever you are. And we and we learn this like the you know whoever the Harvard dean was that created the you know five six category class system that everyone learns in their first year. It's like you you do learn fundamentally the same things. But that was created by a Harvard dean. Yeah. Um, you, you do learn fundamentally the same things, at least in your first year, wherever you go. And then the differences are who exactly are the professors, who are you around, what particular things does your school do. But, you know, it, it's it's designed for people to get an equivalent education mm. where wherever you are. Yeah, I would. I mean, if I had gone to a different law school, I wouldn't have met you guys. So 
definitely uh definitely wish i had gone somewhere else um wow. you don't so, so you don't think about that austin like like if you had gone somewhere else uh, i don't because you guys had options you, you know you weren't georgetown wasn't wasn't a reach for you ezra was recruited by every single school in the t14 he, turn, he, t- he turned them all down That's to go to georgetown Austin, Austin wants to go to Columbia. Yeah, of course, I'm from New York. Like, I consider what it would have been like to go to Columbia or something, um, or NYU, but um, I don't have any regrets in terms of my choice, if that's what you mean. But. I, I really wanted to go to Georgetown. I remember when I, was in a, when I was in high school, Georgetown was my top college choice. Really? You didn't know that? No. When I was in a high school, I applied to Georgetown early action, and I got, wait, I got waitlisted. And you went and to Brandeis instead. Brandeis. Brandeis. Um, and I, yeah, I like really want, like it was my dream school. And uh, actually when I was bar mitzvahed, my parents listen to the pod, they'll know this. My bar mitzvah theme was uh, DC monuments. And every, you were bar mitzvahed, right? Yeah. What was your theme? I didn't have a theme. I just had a bar mitzvah. Do you know what a theme is, right? I mean, I suppose. <clears throat> Austin, you're from New York. You have a lot of Jewish friends. You know what a bar mitzvah and a bar mitzvah theme is? To be honest, I... I have Jewish friends, but a lot of them were pretty secular. I didn't really go to. I went to. I, one went, to, bar I went to tons of bar mitzvahs, I went to one, but there right. wasn't always a. Okay, so, so so when growing up, when I went to my friends' bar mitzvahs, basically like like there was a theme that all the tables were decorated a certain way. Like the theme was baseball. It'd be like you know every table would be a, th- uh, a team, or like mine was DC monuments. It'd be like Washington Monument, the Lincoln Memorial, um, cars, what whatever it was. So yeah, it was always my dream to live in DC and to go to, to go to law school, um, to go to college in DC. That didn't work out, and then I applied to Georgetown, and uh, eventually I got in. And now I'm just looking back. I'm like wondering, I don't know. I'm 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 happy I came here. I have mixed feelings about DC. People who listen to the pod know that, and I talk about that a lot. Um, I don't know. I just I you know I, I wonder if if I, I made the right call. If I like I, you know could have done things differently. It's it's just it's, it's interesting to, to think about like what's like, the alternative though I mean you built a great life here you have a you know great friends a great dog yeah uh, very and you're moving on to bigger better things in New York so there, I don't I don't think you know if you're not if you're not having your career in DC like you're going back to New York New York's a great place to be yeah about, right it's DC is great for certain career paths it's not great for everyone and it's you know I always miss New York frankly I'm from New York and it's it doesn't offer me everything that New York does. Like I'm here for a certain reason, but it you know it is what it is, and, and I, I wouldn't say you. I think you. I think you were here for the perfect amount of time. Is my point. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm definitely ready to leave. So both of you guys are are are, are sticking around DC, working at at firms. Even though you're both New York, I don't know if I said this on the body, You're both New Yorkers. Right. Ezra, uh, you both grew up in Manhattan. We're both transplants. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I'm of course coming back to New York. Are you really? Oh, for can, can I say it? Yeah, of course. Uh, very prestigious honor. Ezra, Ezra Lewis, Ezra Peter Lewis is going to be clerking for SDNY, the Southern District of New York, which is um, what what kind of cases do they hear? Is it financial All crime? Of them. Financial crime? I thought All there was. Isn't there one specific? It's well, like, sure. I mean, they get more securities cases. Securities cases. Other, you know. Securities yeah. cases. Yeah, because I entered there, I can speak to it. But no, actually, I shouldn't. Here we go. Stealing this thunder, and then uh, I'm saying no, obviously, because it's based in. The financial district and also Manhattan, etc. There's, it's not only securities cases, but also some foreign policy cases because there's a lot of foreign contracts involved in, you know, U.S. Uh, international business. But yeah, I would say that if both of you, correct me if I'm wrong, if you guys weren't lawyers, Ezra, you you would be a college professor. I could see that so well for you, and Austin, I think you would be. 
uh, a journalist and a policy analyst on China. I mean, that's very easy to. That's to, it. to well, he already, I mean, he already he already he basically already is he already basically he already basically is. Yeah. Is is it the Hill or political? I was getting confused. The Hill. All those like Uber like yeah, left yeah, like no, li- no, liberal propaganda but machines. Politico doesn't do too much. Like they have the China Watcher. Uh, the China Watch. Uh, you know, weekly newsletter now, but um, but yeah. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure knowing you. I look forward to, to drifting apart in a, in a couple months when we graduate. I'm just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're going to be, we'll, we'll be lifelong friends. I'll be at your weddings and vice versa. You'll take care of Penny when I'm in DC. Um, but yeah, thanks, thanks for, thanks for joining me. Any, any final, final thoughts? Any final words? No, you guys have made the cut for my bachelor party when it happens. Oh, no. you, wow. You, wow. You, wow. You, that's we have it on, we have it, we have it on record. You heard Penny. Penny was surprised. Penny I was like, are you updated. sure? I keep it updated. Wait, do you so. really have a that's, list? That's yeah. a big honor. That, that's a big honor. Do you really have a list? Apple, what? iPhone, uh, This is what, I take it back. <laughs> this, this is why we're friends. Cause that, that's something that I would, I don't have that list. I do have a list of my top 250 pet peeves. I guess it means not so much bachelor party, groomsmen. That's what I mean. Groomsmen? Wow. Oh, shit. It's a big honor. Uh, Ezra, what do you think? Uh, this this is great. I've always wanted to be on the podcast. Yeah, he's been, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, I've been badgering you long time, Long time coming. Well, you were actually on a podcast. Which which one was it? I was on a podcast, not your podcast. Georgetown Debate Podcast. No. I didn't even mention, I, I'm remiss, he coaches debate, and I think you were, so I Googled before the podcast, I Googled Ezra Lewis, Georgetown, and I saw, a, not creepy or anything, I was looking for, for content, uh-huh. and I saw that you've won all these awards and I stuff. I won some awards. A lot of awards, yeah. and first place in the Antitrust Invitational, at, was at NYU? Uh, GMU. GMU in 2021, so it's, an, it's an honor to have an esteemed debater, you know, very uh, oral advocate, and, and a, you, you were in the finals of the. Uh, didn't win though. What the, didn't the win. NYU moot court? Didn't, we got robbed. NYU. Wow. I also actually have the 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 uh, plaque in the no back. Wow. I have it over there, and I won best brief two years in a row. So, you? <laughs> even though I was a coach, guys, pleasure having you here. Look forward to seeing you at graduation, and vote for me for section speaker. <laughs> I will vote for you. Wow. There you have it, guys. That was my conversation with friends and law school classmates, uh, Austin Lowe and Ezra Lewis. Um, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. I, I apologize. A couple apologies. First, that the sound quality was so uh, shoddy. I think in part it's because Austin was sitting pretty far from the mic, so I could only do so much to amplify his sound. Also, he has uh, dog allergies, so we had to open the windows. So unfortunately, you guys probably heard some car horns in, in your background. And Penny, of course, Always high maintenance was crying for attention uh, the entire time. So now, now you guys see what I live with. Um, but yeah, I thought you know, I, I it was it was really fun talking to these guys. Um, you know, I did the best that I could <laughs> to get them to open up, but um, both of them were pretty safe. And I think I said in the intro, like typical lawyer fashion, um, playing everything close to the vest. But uh, by the way, if you want to go back and listen to it, take a shot every time one of them said "frankly," or if Austin asked me to edit something out. Uh, more often than not, I didn't actually edit it out. But uh, yeah, you, you know, just a couple things I wanted to share with you guys about kind of my law school experience that um, I forgot to mention, I guess, in the episode. Uh, the first thing, and, and I wish I had the chance to ask them, is I wanted to ask what their best and worst classes were uh, and kind of share what my best and worst law school classes were. Because what's interesting is like you would think that the best classes that you have in law school are determined by the topic, right? Like if you're really interested in uh, technology or privacy, you, you'd think, oh, like cybersecurity is probably a really good class. Or if you're interested in like injury, uh, you know, personal injury law, you'd think, oh, Taurus is going to be a favorite class. But what I learned 
uh, at least in my experience, is it's really the professors that determine like how much you enjoy the course and and honestly the material. Uh, case in point, corporations and evidence sound like the two most boring classes, right? Um, in corporations, you know, we learned about corporate fiduciary duties, the duty of care, the duty of loyalty, piercing the corporate veil, shareholder primacy versus stakeholder primacy. Uh, if it sounds tedious, that's it's because it was. But our professor was, you know, so animated and exciting that he made kind of all these these esoteric corporate law policies and and um, and cases, uh, kind of turning them into like a fun story. So I actually, you know, I, I I like corporations way more than I thought I would. And it was a similar thing with evidence. You know, like like evidence. You think about like propensity evidence or exceptions to hearsay or the confrontation clause, the best evidence rules. It's funny for anyone in law school who, uh, or who has been to law school, hearing these terms um, must be pretty traumatizing. But to everyone else, like it's probably just sounds like gibberish. Like, like what the hell are you talking about? But it just, you know, I think it sounds pretty boring, right? But our professor, similarly, I mean, he had a different style than my corporations professor. But but my evidence professor did a really nice job of like breaking the difficult topics down and making them easy to understand and like interesting, you know. So I and and, and like on the other hand. A professor that isn't great at captivating your attention isn't so good at kind of you know galvanizing your interest in the subject. I remember I really wanted to take federal white collar crime because I mean that just sounds fun, right? And you know you, you watch law on TV and in the movies, it's like oh white collar crime sounds sounds pretty cool. You know get the bad guys, the the you know people who are committing wire fraud and money laundering, right? Like Ozark level stuff. Uh, but unfortunately, like I just didn't really love the professor. I, I felt like the topic was much like evidence of corporations. The topic was really hard, really boring, but I don't think she did a great job of like making it into a fun story or um, you know, making it easy to understand. And I actually thought like like, you know, one point like, oh, I could do federal white collar crime. I could work, you know, for the government. I could prosecute these kinds of cases. And now I'm not sh- not so sure. Um so it really goes to show you like the impact that a uh, you know, an effective professor and a not so effective professor can have. And uh, I, I, you know, would love to hear what Austin and Ezra think about this, um, but unfortunately, I missed the boat on that one. <laughs> Maybe I'll shoot him a text and, and let you know what they say. Uh, some of the other really good classes I took in law school, uh, I took a class called Law of Cyberspace, where we learned about um, internet privacy, the section uh, 230, which I think I've talked about a couple times in the podcast, and you know how big tech is essentially being regulated and whether or not it's 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 gone far enough those issues are, are in vogue right now so law of cyberspace was a lot of fun um uh i guess the, my only gripe with that is it was online so i feel like it wasn't as like i wasn't as engaged as it would have been if it was in person uh and then um i really liked entertainment law also you know and that's something where like i don't know if i can see myself being an entertainment lawyer but it was really cool like learning about all of the the contracts that govern um you know actors and and directors and writers on television and movies and the role that like unions play it's really cool um and it makes you kind of like you know think and and makes you kind of like when you're watching these shows and these movies think about like all the all the legal issues um behind them i think i mentioned some of these classes i might have mentioned in the last couple of years, like in before I do like a podcast episode, I'll, I'll you know, uh, prattle on about something. And I think I've talked about like clearance, for example, on television. Like if you want to show like a brand on a TV show, like a 
Coca-Cola or a box of Cheez-Its. Um, you, you know, you have to get permission from the brand. Sometimes the brand brands pay money. I think I heard that like all of the cereal uh, manufacturers and the kitchen in Seinfeld like loved that he he basically like advertised um, advertised their brands. And same thing with music, with books, with plays. Clearance is like really expensive and really costly and timely. So, anyway, so entertainment law, um, I really enjoyed law of cyberspace. And then this semester, I really like negotiations. It's it's not really a law school class. It's really more of like a like a business class. You do essentially like role playing exercises where you it's called like a fishbowl where one person plays the role of, for example, an employer and the other person plays the role of an employee negotiating a salary. And you have to see if you can, you know, if the the employer will hire the employee based on the employee's demands. Or maybe you're playing two brothers that are competing for parts of an estate of their deceased father. And you have to negotiate with like a mediator. Um, it reminds me of college because in college I took a class called improv, uh, which was by far my favorite college class, uh, where we did all these really fun improv like comedy exercises, and like like I said, negotiations. There's not a lot of law in it. It's just like um, you learn about different different strategies, different tactics that you can use to make the most of a negotiation. This might be the class that I use the most after law school. You know, thinking through like. All the scenarios in your everyday life, uh, whether you're negotiating rent or you're haggling for a price when you're buying a souvenir, um, or maybe you're looking for a new job and you are negotiating salary. I think there's there's kind of uh, widespread applicability of that one. So yeah, so best classes in no particular order. Like I said, really enjoyed corporations and evidence. Surprisingly, law of cyberspace, entertainment law, and negotiations. And then worth classes um, besides federal white collar crime. <laughs> I feel kind of bad, um, but I don't know. Like I really struggled in my legislation and regulation class. I think again, the material was pretty boring. Like administrative law is uh, is just like a minefield, and it's I think it'd be difficult for any professor to to make something like that fun. Um, but I didn't love that. Although to be honest, like that was right around when law school went pass fail in the spring of my first year, so that might have been a contributing factor. Um, I also did not love. Um, I took a seminar on, on constitutional law originalism. Uh, I can't remember why I took it because I'm the farthest thing from an originalist. But uh, I felt like that class just basically like the professor would assign like 200, 300 pages of reading and then we just talk about it. But it was such a small class that, you know, it was the same two or three people talking like every every time and it was like two hours and they dragged and dragged and dragged. And I felt like, like we didn't really – like at some, some point we – stop talking about new information. It's like everyone kept making the same points over and over again. It was 13 weeks long. <laughs> so that one I didn't love. And then I also took a class in the fall of this year called entrepreneurship, which I was excited to, to, to take because um, kind of like with negotiations, it's not a law school class. It was like almost like a business school class. And we learned about um, startups and the life cycle of a business and you know, how to scale a business and capital and equity. And, and there was some overlap with corporations. I just, I thought I would, you know, I, 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 again, as, as this kind of a theme for me in law school, like I thought, cause I love the topic, I would love the class. I don't, I don't know what it was cause the professor was fine. I just didn't really like, it wasn't like my crowd, you know what I mean? Um, which is maybe why I didn't get, I didn't pursue a, a business law degree, but 
But yeah, so uh, federal white collar crime, legislation, regulation, originalism, entrepreneurship. And I guess, to be honest, like pretty much every class I took during one all fall, I hated for various reasons. I had one all spring. Like property, well, okay, so, pro, so, okay, so let's take a step back. So if you haven't been to law school, um, the there are seven or eight doctrinal classes that every law school makes their first years take. Civil procedure, contracts, legal practice, uh, torts, con law, criminal justice, proper and property. I think those are those are the big ones. And like I said, like all of them, I pretty much hated for various reasons. But I will say, like he, again, like property. I struggled so much in property. Property was probably the hardest class I took during one L, especially like the rule of perpetuities. Like all the trust and estate stuff was so challenging. Um, but our professor was terrific. So whereas like civil procedure probably my second hardest class, I didn't feel like my professor, you know, was effective at breaking down complicated topics like joinder and and intervening in a case and all those uh, federal rules of civil procedure. So yeah. And then my contracts professor, I think we might've talked about this in the episode, was just really like abrasive. Uh, He's, he's a, he was, you know, he's a polarizing guy. Like he, he would call your name and he would, you know, sometimes like chide you a little bit for fun um, for his for his amusement. I think other students thought it was funny, but I don't know. Some students thought he was like a little bit, a little bit abrasive. Uh, and so, yeah, so a lot of my 1L classes I struggled with and then those four. So it's been class wise, it's been it's been a mixed bag. I'm trying to think if I missed anything else uh, on the topic of, of classes I don't know, like, I feel like, how do I, like, like okay, so during the conversation with Austin and Ezra, I, I feel like I didn't articulate this, this point super effectively, um, and I can blame it on the fact that I I would, <laughs> I had a couple drinks, but also, I don't know, I feel like I'm, I'm feeling the, the cognitive decline starting to hit me as, as I round, as I uh, approach 30. No, like, I felt, what I was trying to say was, I feel like the gap between law school and college wasn't that significant, and by that I mean... I took classes in college that in many ways were more difficult than the classes I took in law school, particularly in the second and third year. The first year of law school, when you take all those challenging classes, when you take, like I said, property and civil procedure, which are um, and contracts, which are like the, the three hardest ones, those classes are harder than pretty much anything you, t- you take in college, especially if you're social science like me. If you're a hard science kind of uh, guy or girl or person, then uh, for sure, I think the one L curriculum is, is going to be like like right on that difficulty level. But for everyone else, like for social science people like me, nothing, you know, uh, the one L courses were significantly harder than what I did in, in um, college. But second and third year, when you take all these like really manageable seminars uh, in law school, they're not like as difficult as the hardest classes I took in, in college. Like in college, so I was a psych major, um, which meant I did have to take some of those hard science classes. Like behavioral neuroscience, probably harder than anything I took in, in law school. Psych stats, maybe on the same level of contracts, to, uh, contracts, civil procedure, and property. You know, even some of the, the law classes I took in college were harder than the, the classes I took in, in law school. Like I took civil, what was it, civil liberties in America with uh, Professor Breen at Brandeis. And he was, God, he was like my favorite professor, the, the best professor I had at uh, in college by far and kind of like my corporations professor he would turn everything into a into a fun engaging story and 
uh, we had to write three papers for that class. And those were probably the three best papers I wrote in all of college. Um, but they were challenging. They were challenging issues. I think the civil procedure from uh, in college was harder than any class I took in law school except for my 1L doctrinal classes. Um, so all that's to say like, I don't know if you're listening and, and maybe you are on the fence about law school and you know maybe maybe you've been scared away from applying to law school by everyone who tells you oh it's so hard it's so intense it's like you'll you, you know you, you, it's impossible to do well this and that this and that um, it's challenging the first year is challenging especially those classes that I mentioned but everything else is is pretty doable granted like we talked about in the episode after the first year it's like. Uh, your grades don't really matter as much, um, assuming you're you're going the regular like private sector, big law, mid-sized law firm re- recruitment track. Then they really look at your first first year grades. But also, like you can get you can get a job in the private or the public sector um, after you know in your second and third year. So it's not impossible. Uh, okay, so I want to share a couple of my like lessons from law school to cut, to round out this conversation. Um, and some of this, actually, I don't think I mentioned any of this in the conversation with Austin and Ezra. So a couple lessons, I guess the first lesson, I'll see if I can <laughs> distill it down to three is there's one L and there's everything else. I think that both academically and socially one L feels extremely disparate from the rest of law school. It feels like a different experience. You know, you like academically, you work your ass off during 1L, as I mentioned. The fall and the spring, you're studying all the time. You, I've like never experienced as much stress as, you know, preparing for those final exams. Um, and it's all because, because after your first year in law school, that's when over the summer you get recruited by big law firms. So your first year grades are, are in a lot of ways all that matters with, with an asterisk. And the asterisk, uh, signifying that like you can still get a job in your second and third year. It's just most people get a job after the first year. But once you secure a job after the first year, the rest of law school academically doesn't really matter. Like you can extern, you can do a clinic, you can you know get like a part time job somewhere. Your grades are are, are just like in, in they're just significantly de-emphasized after that. And then socially, like one L is I think when law school feels the most like high school. <laughs> 1L is when you um you know make make friends. 1L is when there is, you know, you're meeting people for the first time, so there's always like drama and there's um you're going to have people in in the section who date and who get together and who hook up and um all that at least in in for my section happened for the most part during the first year. Um, just because everything was new and fresh, and a lot of people like me had hadn't been in a school environment in five years, um, you know. So I just feel like, as kind of the first lesson, one L is just feels so like disconnected from the rest of law school, and and so and a lot of ways so much more important. Okay, uh, <laughs> the second lesson. So lesson one was there's one L and everything else. Second lesson is it's gonna sound corny, but Law school is what you make of it. Um, <laughs> I think they might have told us this at orientation, but I, yeah, I think they definitely did. And I don't know if I took that advice, but you know, if you make an effort to get involved in the law school community, to join clubs, affinity groups, to seek out professors, go to their office hours, shoot them emails, uh, law school could be like an incredible experience for you, like super fulfilling in a lot of ways. Um, 
or you can just put your head down the library, um, not you know spend time going to club events, um, not seek out your professors and just focus on doing well in exams and papers and in classes. Uh, those are the kind of the two extremes. And you know you could be successful in the latter, just kind of uh, being in a bubble and and you know finding a way to to do well kind of on your own and, and not being involved on campus. I, I was almost in the middle. Uh, I, in college, I was very much like Mr. Brandeis. Um, I think that's what a couple, <laughs> couple of my friends called me. Like I was student body president. Um, I was involved in mock trial radio. I had my own, I had two radio shows. I wrote for the newspaper, the Brandeis Hoot. I was on student conic board. Um, I did debate for, for, you know, uh, to debate for a minute. Um, I, I mean, I worked at the bookstore. I like, I, I had so many like, like jobs and and I had so many like roles and and wore so many hats uh, that I came to law school, and you know, it, it had been five years since college. Like, I didn't want to do that again. Like, it, it was so much fun being so involved at Brandeis, but it just occupied so much of my time and headspace and and like, it was draining. And it was especially draining being involved in student government because I feel like, you know, in student government, I'm, <laughs> I like always had to be vigilant of how I was perceived. Like I always had to make sure that I was on good terms with, with everybody and that, um, you know, I was like putting my best foot forward. And I don't know, like I'm, I started law school 27. I, I, I didn't want to <laughs> go through that again. Right. So I, you know, I haven't really done as much at law school. I was uh, a law fellow uh, as a 2L, which is basically like a TA for first-year legal writing course. Um, but that's not even an extracurricular. Uh, I did do moot court, um, which is kind of like mock trial, but instead of arguing a case, you – but instead of like role-playing a mock trial, the way that moot court works is like you write a brief appealing a case. Uh, it's called an appellate brief, and then you – kind of do an argument like you would in mock trial, but it's mostly just answering questions from judges. Uh, part of me wonders if I should have done mock trial because you can only do mock trial or moot court. And I was selected for both and I did moot court because it was more prestigious. <laughs> but I think I might have enjoyed mock trial more. But yeah, so okay. So I did moot court. I was on the tech journal. I was a peer advisor. Uh, what else? I have been involved with softball at Georgetown. That's been a lot of fun. I just did a tournament at UVA a couple weeks ago. Um I'm kind of a member of the uh, Georgetown Jewish Students uh, Club, um, but even then, like all these commitments, I'm not. Re- I wasn't like I, I wasn't really involved. Like I didn't have leadership positions. Like at Brandeis, like I was, you know, with with like student government, for example. Like I was, you know, even when I was a student body president, I was like the head of the Senate, and on student conduct board, I was like one of the chairs. So. Yeah, I don't know. So I wonder, as I like sit here um, on the eve of graduation, part of me wonders, like, what would my law school experience have been like if I had done things differently? If I had gotten involved in student government, you know, after the first year, every section has a representative. If I had like run for section two representative um, and then later run for like, I don't know. It's just... I think in some ways it I would have met more people for sure. Um, I would have made a more lasting impact on the community after I left. I would have gotten to know more in administration. It would have been more work for sure. And that's another thing, by the way. 
Um, another huge reason, and I should have mentioned it before, in college I could afford to have all these extracurriculars and still do well in school because, you know, I was like a politics and psych major and most of my classes I could just kind of coast. In law school, like I mentioned with the first year, you just don't have time to do clubs or like leadership positions. Like you're, you know, your your priority is getting good grades. So I think it does make sense that I did what I did. But I mean, beyond student government, there's really nothing else that I think I would have liked to do that I didn't do at Georgetown. Um, I think, I don't know. I think like, like I said, I'm at a different place in my life than I was then. Like I'm 29 going on 30. Like I was 18 when I, you know, started my, my radio show and started my column for the hoot. Um, and by the way, if you're, if you're really bored and, or, and, or you need a good laugh, just Google search Ricky Rose and Brandeis hoot. You can read some of my older articles. This is one I didn't really, really know how to write. I mean, as, as 18, but I, I think I thought I knew how to write. Um, let me see. I don't know if I've ever done this on the on the air. Brandeis Hoots. This is back in 20... Let me see. How do I do this? The Brandeis Hoot. Oh, here we go. I'm going to search by author. Wow. They're all still here. Let's see. These are my old articles from... The first one's probably from 2010. The first article I wrote, Delving into Sleep, Time Well Spent... How many times during the course of a day do you hear someone behind you in class groan, oh, I'm so tired? Or better yet, how many times have you been the one complaining about how little sleep you got the night before? Look around you. Everyone in college is in a state of perpetual exhaustion. Most of us fall asleep the second our head hits the pillow at night, and many of us cannot wait until then, falling asleep in class during our meals. Oh, yeah, this, is, this isn't too bad. Maybe I'm too hard on myself. Then I have an article called The Brandeis College Experience. I know what you must be thinking. No, I'm not a mid-year. Oh, yeah, mid-years. Mid-years are like transfers. And I just write about what the experience is at Brandeis. That's so funny. What What's made my college experience memorable so far? This is back when I was 18. This is – how old am I now? Yeah, 18 because this is back in the beginning of 2011. So 11 years ago. What's made my college experience memorable so far? Oh, where do I begin? Very late nights at the Shapiro Campus Center. Waiting for the brand van in the pouring rain while my friend sings American Pie. An enormous secret Santa party in Polaris Lounge. Playing Ultimate Ninja in Harvard Square. Living in the library during finals week. Having a giant whipped cream fight with my friend at the Quad Olympics. Signing up for hundreds of clubs at the activities fair. And currently having a jam-packed inbox full of messages from clubs I never intended to join. Sorry, Cheese Club. A huge game of hide-and-seek in the library. Waking up for free food and free unity outside the SCC. These will make some colorful stories to tell my kids one day. Wow. That's pretty wholesome. And now you got me all nostalgic for college. Yeah. And then some of the other articles, my column was called The Chosen Rosen. Laughter, it's a hoot. Rick's picks, shedding light in the Facebook frenzy. Lengthening library hours. So in the beginning of 2011, this is when Facebook was before Instagram. This is when people were, uh, yeah, this is interesting. And I was talking about how much time people spend on Facebook. Two hours and, f and 15 minutes per day on Facebook. Extrapolate that during the course of the year. We'll spend 821 hours per year on Facebook or 34 days. That's just in one year. Okay, this is I'm gonna I'm gonna stop going down this rabbit hole because I'm sure you guys you guys do not want to hear this. But anyway, so yeah, you know, like like lesson two, law school is what you make of it, and. 
you know, I think that's true for grad school. I think that's true for, for a job. Um, I don't regret like, like not interning or externing anywhere. I think a lot of students that were KJDs in, at our school went straight through from college to law school. So they had never worked. So they wanted to go and intern on the Hill, work for like the Senate Judiciary Committee or the Commerce Department or, you know, the Attorney General. I think for me, I had all those internships in, in college. Like I worked for the U.S. Attorney's Office and then after college, like I worked at a firm. I'm just like I've had – I mean because I'm almost 30, like I've had so many internships and jobs. Like I don't know. Like I didn't feel like I needed to do that. And I actually – I don't even know if I've ever said this on the podcast before. Um, and if I haven't, then I'm sorry for uh, for not sharing this. But after my first year of law school, I actually worked for Judge Katanji. Uh, Brown Jackson, who's now the <laughs> Supreme Court Justice. Um, it's so ironic because after my first year, actually in the winter of my first year, everyone, all my friends were applying for uh, like prestigious um, you know, judicial internships and everyone was applying in D.C. and New York. And um, I mean those are the most competitive, like you know, most interesting cases, the judges that um, you know, some of the most like well-respected judges in, in in the country are in those courts. So I applied. So I got a long list of judges in SDNY. Probably like applied to like twenty judges from SDNY, and then I applied to like twenty judges at, at DDC in, in Washington DC. And then I happened out of all those judges, I happened to hear back from uh, Judge um, Judge Jackson. And this is you know this is two years ago. So she was still in, in district court, and uh, and. At that point, it was um, the internship was remote because of COVID. Uh, but and then soon after, after the internship ended, that's when she got um, essentially like promoted to the uh, DC Circuit Court, and then after that, selected um, to replace Justice Breyer on the Supreme Court. And uh, so it's just funny, like the odds of that. But no, my experience with Judge Jackson was was um, incredible. I mean, she. Uh, so the way I guess some backstory, and this is this might be boring to all you guys, so feel free to skip ahead if if this isn't doing it for you. So judges don't always write the opinions of cases themselves. Actually, almost never do judges write it themselves. They have their judicial clerks do it for them. Uh, clerks are people who went to law school and either they work full time kind of supporting the judge or they do a clerkship for one or two years and then they go work at a firm or work for the government. Um, but the clerk is like the, the judge's right arm and the clerk reviews every case, um, does the legal research, drafts the uh, bench memos and the memorandum opinions and then the judge just kind of like gives it the rubber stamp. Um, some judges are more uh, like activists than others. Like some judges are more involved in, in the legal writing than others. But anyways, so as a judicial intern, you kind of help the clerks. You work with the clerks on um, one, two, three different opinions, doing the research, presenting your kind of your recommendation of how the case should come out, doing an outline, doing drafts, and then sending it to the clerk. Judge Jackson really – I think she was really invested in the internship program. So she gave the interns a lot of responsibility. Like she, she had us um, basically <clears> – <throat> do like full presentations to her pretty regularly. I think I did like two or three of them over the summer on the case that I was working on, both sides' best arguments, and how she should rule. Um, so it was really fun. And she would ask me questions almost like moot court, what I, what I told you earlier, ask me questions like, 
you know, what about this argument? What about this argument? Like, did, did you find this case? Uh, what does this circuit say about it? Like, things like that. Um, so that was really neat that I had that experience. And then it was on Zoom, so we didn't get to, like, meet her in person very often. I met her at the end of the summer. She invited everyone to the courthouse to take pictures, to kind of talk with us. Um, and she bought us these these desserts, nothing bun cakes. Uh, they were really good. And then we just kind of got to know each other. Um, me and there were two other interns and her and the clerks. And it was uh, it was a really, really amazing experience. And I, yeah, I thought she was like, uh, I thought she was like, like super, super down to earth, um, you know, super warm, especially for, for, for a judge. Like I worked in, um, I think I mentioned I interned for uh, the U.S. Attorney's Office. I also interned for the district attorney in college. And so I've mm. seen, and so I've seen a lot of, you know, a lot of judges um, on the bench and, and a lot of them have different dispositions, but I don't know. I found Judge Jackson to be very down to earth um, and super, super kind and, and, um, and you know, uh, generous with her time with the interns as well. So anyway, I don't know why I'm, I'm sharing all that. I, I just, I, I don't think I've mentioned it on the pod before. So I figured I would as I'm rounding out law school. All right. So, so going back to my lesson. So lesson one was one, there's one, one L on everything else. Lesson two is law school is what you make of it. And lesson three, this might be the last lesson is like everything in life, the people determine what your experience is going to be in law school. I think during the fourth episode of my podcast, I talked about the cast of characters that you meet in your everyday life um, and how you go through stages, right? Like for me, I was in Boston for college for four years. Then I was at a job in New York for a couple of years. Then I was at another job in New York for a couple of years. Then I went to DC for law school for three years. Then I'm going back to New York for a job. Like every stage of your life, every location, every job or school, um, you meet different people and if the connection is strong enough, you end up like kind of bringing them with you to the next stage of your life. Like I bet to everyone listening, you know, you probably have friends from, from a job that you hated that you were only at for like a month or, you know, from, from vol- maybe a volunteer experience. Maybe you did like an intramural sports league and you just met people and, and you totally vibe with them. You felt like you guys were, were fast friends. You had a natural connection and you, you stayed in touch. And it's so easy with, you know, with social media now to stay in touch. And for me, like, I'll be honest. So the best friends I have, I made in college at Brandeis. And I, I didn't think that I'd make, you know, any closer friends after that. But I made a few when I was a paralegal um, after college for a couple of years. And you've heard from one of them on the pod, Ian. He hasn't been on in a while. Um, the other one you haven't, you haven't heard from because he's too shy. And now, like, I made two more in law school. Like, I came to law school. I was like, all right, I'll get my degree, and then I'll I'll kind of move forward. But, you know, I, I met Austin and Ezra, and they turned out to be kindred, kindred spirits. Uh, and a couple others that uh, I'll bring with me to my next stage of life. And, you know, I'm not, like, naive like I was after college. I think after college, I thought, like, okay, I'll be able to stay in touch with, like, every single one of my classmates. And in college, by the way, I had a wide social net, in part because I was so involved in all these clubs and student government and organizations. Like, I had so many friends that I wanted to stay in touch with. But, you know, you can only I, – I, I don't know what the rule is. Like, you can only keep in touch with seven people or something like that. Like, you get – you know, people get older. They drift. They move. You know, we get busy. 
People get married. You move out of cities. You saw the end of Friends. <laughs> you have children. Life goes on. Que sera, sera. Um, and so I think for me, like I said in the episode, like Georgetown was like a mixed experience. It was, in a lot of ways, super challenging. Um, the academics, like one L was really challenging. COVID was super challenging. Um, the falling outs that I had with people uh, were were difficult. Um, on the other hand, like I feel like I've grown a lot over the last three years. I feel like I'm not the same person that I was when I came in. I feel like I've learned, I've, I've learned a good amount. And for that reason, like, I think it has been a worthwhile experience. I mean, what I'm most dreading is going to be, you know, what's what's staring me in the face two and a half months away, the bar exam. That is going to be the toughest challenge I've I faced yet, probably ever. Um, so I think that that about covers everything. Uh, you know, I talked I talked about my best and worst academic experiences. My lessons is 1L. It's what you make of it. People determine the experience. I don't think there's anything else to say about law school. Um, if I had 2019 Ricky in the room and I can give advice for law school 2022, same advice I'd give 18-year-old Ricky about college. It's like, don't worry. <laughs> don't stress. It's going to be fine. You're going to survive your 1L exams. Uh, you're going to be okay. You know? It's all going to be okay. Um, so... I think that's it, guys. I graduate two weeks after this drops. Um, so that's a wrap on law school, you know, and that's a wrap on education, period. I don't see myself going back to school after this. Um, I'll probably do one more episode with a guest and then my hiatus, which I've been telling you guys about for uh, the last couple months. Um, no podcast over the summer while I prepare for and take the bar exam and then hopefully travel after that or do something fun. Um, so lots of exciting things coming up for me, for the podcast, and hopefully for all of you. So stay tuned for more Nervous Habits. Thanks so much for listening, guys. This has been another episode of Nervous Habits Podcast. You can follow the pod on social media, on Instagram at Nervous Habits Podcast, on Twitter at Nervous Habits underscore. Search for full episodes and clips on YouTube by searching Nervous Habits Podcast and write to the pod at Nervous Habits Podcast at gmail.com. And remember, law school is a long three years. So be prepared for some gray hairs and maybe a couple lines on your face if you're planning on going to law school. Take care and stay nervous.